Welcome back, Martini Giant fans. This is episode number 63, which is the 1971 film Get Carter, directed by Mike Hodges, and The Limey from 1999, directed by Steven Soderbergh. This would be, shall we say, our Cockney Gangster series. Uh, suggestions by Eric. Uh, I'm not going to attempt to do a Cockney accent. Most people, including myself, do a very poor job of it, so let's just not go down that rabbit hole. Uh, Get Carter is an extremely influential film, uh, and including the the Limey, which was clearly very influenced by Get Carter, but it's influenced a lot of other films itself. Uh, and you know, we have a long discussion about it. Uh, Eric really loves these films, uh, but are they good films? Well, of course, you know, you'll have to find out how we feel about this separately. Uh, on the podcast, so it's very interesting to go through that. Uh, I, I I thought this is a lot of fun to do this episode. It was really good and refreshing. I think that you know this is a true Martini Giant type of thing where we discuss uh, the nature of these films and what they mean to filmmaking in general. Really good stuff. So uh, hopefully you guys will enjoy it. A uh, couple of reminders: uh, we are, of course, as I mentioned many times, on Twitch. Uh, and all of these uh, episodes are recorded live on Twitch, and we actually do it in front of uh, you know a, a streaming audience. And uh, that audience uh, tends to be very lively, and we would love to have you there. So if you guys want to join us, uh, just subscribe to us on Twitch. It's, uh, that's twitch.tv slash martini underscore giant. And we do all of our recordings that are usually at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Saturdays. Uh, and we will be doing one specifically this Saturday, which is April 3rd. And this episode will be our Texas episode. So if this is, uh, if this was the Cockney Gangster, this is going to be the Texas episode, which will be Paris, Texas and Blood Simple. I think you guys will really enjoy it. I am very excited about this. I love Texas uh, films or films that involve the state of Texas. So, uh, again, join us uh, April 3rd at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for uh, Blood Simple and Paris, Texas. But for this episode, you can enjoy Get Carter and the Lime. Your Nerf gun rack. This is, this is like, that, that area is like um, the... Yeah, well, it's sort of like the, it's the, it's the TV acceptable version of a Montana shack. <laughs> Where you'd hole up and then fight off the the authorities, right? Montana. <laughs> hey, Mr. Kaczynski, one question for you. Nerf Kaczynski. <laughs> yeah, that's what we need. Uh, there was a, a friend of mine. Uh, mm -hmm. He he's actually the guy who founded uh, Kit Bash 3D. He wrote a game for Nintendo Switch called Oh, I forgot what it's called. But it's basically about you setting up a uh, fort in your living room to fight the monsters overnight. Oh, that's great! It's good idea. Uh, with the cushions, and then you use Nerf guns to 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 uh, to, to kill all the the night. By monsters. the way, I love you want to hear you want to hear something really crazy? Mm -hmm. Yes, please. In we're going to get to the movie, Chris. Yes, but in the liming, the woman that was put in the trunk. That slept with him. That he fought with her in the trunk. Do you remember that? Yes. Oh, that's in um. Yeah, no, in um, out of sight. That's out of no. Wait. Get, get Carter. Get, get Carter. Yeah, get which is sorry, sorry. Out of sight. Get Carter. Yes. Her name. Her character's name was Glenda. She was the one in the tub, and he comes right. after her. Mm -hmm. She acted a little bit, but then she married a guy named Hauser, 
and they had two sons and no sons created red dead redemption what really yeah yeah they're the no, brothers okay. and a uh, grand theft auto they created that yeah oh, that's those rockstar guys. Films. Rockstar guys? the rockstar yes. films yeah. yeah that's pretty amazing we love yeah. that because i was researching and i was like i you know rabbit hole i hit and i was like wait a minute that's her sons that's Glenn kids. That's yeah. funny. Not the Limey, get Carter. And get yeah, Carter, no, yeah. yeah. She was the one in the truck. Like Soderbergh directed, uh, Soderberg directed uh, uh, Out of Sight, which references the Limey with a scene in the trunk. And so my wires got a little crossed there. I apologize. There was a Soderbergh connection that was being made. But yes, get Carter. Hello, Carter. Hello, Carter. Okay. Um, but, uh, but that's pretty amazing. Now, you have, have, you, have you played uh, Red Dead? Me? No. Eric, no. Uh, no, you might get a kick out of that one. That's got some real old school Western. That's an old school Western. Yeah. yeah. It's got a good story. And uh, the setting is just miraculously well put together. You need about 100 gigs of space on your disk before you start. That. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's monstrous. That Rockstar Games, too, was started by, or one of the guys in it, he died last year, but that was Peter Brandt's son. Oh, really? I don't know anything about this. That's interesting. Yeah, he's the guy that put the money up. He was he married Stephanie <clears throat> Seymour, but his Stephanie son Seymour. was the CEO. His son was the president of Rockstar. That's crazy. Yeah, they make yeah. some. Uh, they make some very, very impressively scaled games. And, yeah, uh, and big sandbox games where you can run around and do whatever. And uh, but Red Dead Redemption Two actually has a, a very good uh, core story to it, and it was emotionally. The story mode of Red Dead Redemption, and it's not slow. It goes on forever. Yeah, it's long. It's a long story. Yeah. Lots of stuff to do, uh, but very, very cinematic, and uh, and and really knows its old western stuff. So I might recommend that. As we were talking about earlier, before you, you know, playing video games, what video games to play? I would always recommend Red Dead Redemption Two. And now that it's connected to Martini Giant via Get Carter, I think that's a moral imperative. Hello. <laughs> So what are we watching today? What what happened? What is it? What did oh wow we're getting right into it. We don't usually wait this long to talk about the, this short to talk about the movies. Uh, what I would sure, we, we can shoot the shoot the baloney. Yeah, we'll wait for people to to yeah. trickle in. Who who showed up? Who's who's here? We have uh, Dave three D and we have uh, Jason and Jason. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, that's I think it. that's in the chat. In the chat, <laughs> we have uh, we have uh, me and Eric, and those two fellas. And I have uh, uh, the the most and six people watching. The most uh, 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 L.A. or California, more Southern California drink ever. It's at Trader Joe's. Here you can see it on the camera. Trader Joe's hibiscus lemongrass sparkling. Uh, beverage. Oh man! Wow. Yeah. Nat- naturally flavored, of course. That's uh, that is very Californian. Very, you very much so. Too, Chris? Do I what? You stopped drinking. Uh, I did in January. Yeah, for dry, what is it called? Dry? What was it? Yeah, like, that's a. Nat- I've actually slowed down my drinking quite a bit. So have I. Except yeah. for last night, but yes, I slowed down during the week. I'm off. Yeah, I don't. I'm, I'm like Dennis Hopper when he edits. I don't drink. Yeah, right on. Yeah. So. I, uh, I, 
<clears throat> I don't miss the drinking. I do uh, miss the uh, boozing. Uh, I love the miss the boozing. Really, that's what it is. Yeah, I yeah, I miss the boozing. <laughs> what was I it, miss- Alan? Alan, what was the guy's name from 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 DD? The guy who invented voxel bitch. Oh, Alan, yes. Alan, I can't remember his last name, but he was really funny. He used to say, he says, being drunk sucks. It sucks. It's totally sucks. Mm-hmm. Getting drunk, that's the fun part. That's the fun part. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, I, well, like, I, I would say, uh, like, I love, uh, I love the mood of uh, uh, dark, woody bars. And, uh, and uh, I, nope. I, I, that's, that's a great, uh, uh, the, if I could recapture that, but just drink, you know, like, you know, coffee and chocolate milk, then uh, I'll, I'll get back to it. I need the, the, the really dingy chocolate milk bar. <laughs> right. And back to that. That's all right. Actually, I think I just miss these things in the same way that I miss everything else because of COVID. Like, I miss going to, out to eat. I miss uh, uh, having experiences, you know, further than 40 feet from my house. You know. There's, I know what you're saying. Yeah, there's certain things I miss a little bit, and certain things I kind of appreciate. I don't know. There's different. It's just different. Just different. I really uh, do want to go back to the damn movie theater at least once before they're all gone, though. <laughs> have a send-off movie. I want to have a send-off movie. I want to go to an old movie theater. Yeah. Yeah. Old movie theaters would be great. I don't think old movie theaters are going to be as scarce as the Mega Mall multiplex is going to be scarce. I think the Mega Mall multiplex is done, done, done. I think yeah. that's it. I, yeah. I, I, can't ima- I can't imagine that becoming like any kind of viable anything. I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of lessons not learned from this. <laughs> <laughs> feeling? Yeah. Like when things start to – people start traveling a lot more, there's just going to be a I just think there's going to be a lot of assholes out there, and it's just just going to be. A, I don't know. Outside of life experience in general, and knowing that it's true, what makes you think that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just think that people are going to go like, "God damn it, we were so nice." You know, it's just like nine eleven, right? We were so nice to each other. We tried. We respected. We had like everyone was united behind the idea. Of like, oh crap, we have to come together as a country, et cetera, et cetera. And then it's like, ah. Oh, Less for a little while. Yeah. It has a golden moment in the sun and then goes back yeah, to as usual. Maybe That's I'm just, true. you know, skeptical of people. Are you having a cynical day? Do you, do you feel cynical today? Did, did, did Carter cynical. make you feel cynical? No. Well, no. Hey, you know, by the way, did, I I almost watched the 2000 version of Get Carter. Oh, my God. Thank Yeah. Thank that God. That, that was close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, with Stallone, it, right? <laughs> with Stallone and Sharon Stone, I think. Oh, really? Man. Like, yeah. I mean, like it's sort of it's sort of great to see that. I haven't seen it in a long. I did see it when I was out, but like I remember it even then was in no, such I, a '90s style. Like it was so everything about it was so ultra '90s that. Well, I was think it like it, Heat? You know, was everyone's trying to do like that thing? Like, well, Heat Heat is well made enough that it it looks like itself. Like it doesn't uh, like it's, uh, but the nineties has a certain sort of like a uh, orange lit, uh, orange front soft lighting with blue uh, backlighting with blue backlighting. <laughs> and yeah. it's just like, it's so uh, it's not just gross. It's like plush gross. 
It's yeah, like a, it's a very, very soft yeah. gross. Uh, uh, Michael Bay does yeah. all that. It's yeah. really, really, it's it's a it's a it's a bad look. At, 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 at its best, there is actually like there's a couple of looks from the '90s that I do like. Like I like the uh, the super smoked out style of Jacob's Ladder. I like a lot of Adrian Lyne stuff. Looks pretty good. Um, but all but, you have to do is watch. Romeo is bleeding to say exactly what Dan is just talking about. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That is like, that's the right. 90s style kit for film. Romeo is bleeding. Oh that's my a, that's a God. Yeah. I saw that just the, the cuffs on the pants alone. I was like, yeah. oh my God. Everything. <clears throat> that was that, that's like, oh. that, cause that's what Lena Olin and Gary Oldman yeah. think, maybe. It absolutely yeah. made no sense. Like, yeah. as well as have like that, all that 90s packed into it. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and that's when um, Oldman was in his really high intensity days. That's like when he was doing. Well, uh, his waistband was twenty eight, and, and once he started going up in the waistband, he yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he starts taking sl- slightly less intense gigs. It's probably probably good for everybody. I think that's good. For By everybody. the way, I just saw a photo of Gerard Depardieu because he's in trouble right now. Oh yeah, yeah, he looks great. <laughs> My God, talk about like Jabba the Hutt. It's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable, right? I have not said I'm going to Google him right he, now. He does. He does look like a, I was to Nancy. Like imagine being a call girl and having him just get on top. Like, oh yeah. God, stop saying that. Oh my God. That's Sorry. Horrible. Attack me in the middle of the day with images like that. But that's, he Sorry, looks, that's he, looks like, he looks like, a, he looks like, he looks like, great by the way. So oh, he, he looks wow. like a truffle that just came out of the ground. You know, like, <laughs> he, he looks like he's got one foot in the grave. He's so heavy. That I was like, yeah. I can't believe he allowed himself to get like that because he he's was a kind of a cool-looking dude. He was yeah. nice in the seventies. He's, he's a he's a cutie, sure, absolutely. But uh, he's yeah, he's not holding together very and, well. You know I gotta say. And that's good for me. Don't surprise me. Yeah, yeah. These things. Yeah, it's a that's he's uh it's sorry about the imagery, dude. Was that off color? <laughs> <laughs> no, but here's the deal for me. No, it's not funny. at all. I'm just saying. Funny. Funny. And that's the key, really. (laughs) Let's have a laugh. Let's have a laugh. And then sometimes a little Gerard Depardieu naked on your your head. Oh, yeah. Sometimes that. I just got out of the shower. Okay, Gerard. Right here. God. Yeah, Yeah. that's a nightmare. That's a nightmare. Yeah, he's not looking that good. And um, uh, I don't think – I think COVID is probably – uh, made him invest even further in wine, from what I can tell from his face. That's too bad. Poor, poor guy. Poor guy. Well, maybe not. Maybe he's maybe maybe he's not a good guy at all. From what, from what you just said, he seems like he's a little. He's he's a little not a good guy. <laughs> I don't know. It just yeah, who knows. To let himself get like that is kind of nuts. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, we'll always have uh, get out your handkerchiefs. That's true. Least. Have you guys ever seen? Uh, um... Uh, uh, going places? No, not yet. I was okay. very interested after seeing uh, after seeing uh, Get Your Handkerchiefs. That was yes. a wild You ride. guys definitely have to see uh, Going Places. So I should note that our, our, uh, our good friend uh, and listener podcast, uh, Bernie, uh, let us know. Uh, I said it's called Les Wilsons in French, and I never really knew what the title was. And then he showed me a trailer to the to the uh, uh, um, to it. And uh, it's a trailer from 1974 or whenever that movie came out. It was a really long time ago. Uh, and <laughs> Les Walser, in the in the trailer, they basically talk about all the euphemisms for testicles, like, you know, different, like, you know, family jewels, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And then it leads to Les Walser, which is 
two balls dancing together in their little sack, right? And that's why it's called they was so. Because they, they, <laughs> they are waltzing. They are waltzing. They are waltzing together. Yes, right. the waltzers. The waltzers. And it, you would never pick it up. It's like, why would the waltzers be the balls? And then you, as you start to go through the rolling of all the different euphemisms, you're like, there you go. Oh yes. That's actually the most accurate. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty funny. So pretty uh, it's the two of those, this, those two guys just hanging out. Yeah. Waltzing. Because, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, and, and, it gets, and it actually gets you into the mindset of the movie pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get out your handkerchiefs doesn't really do, uh, do it justice. No. no, get out your handkerchiefs is like the. Let's just yeah, put it this way: get out your handkerchiefs is the family-friendly version of going places. <laughs> yeah, like why would you want to make that? That movie is not family-friendly. Like that is family antagonistic. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that is not appropriate material for family whatsoever. And uh, oh, was that just an American theater company giving that name? Going places? No. Yeah, getting out. Get out your handkerchief. Get out, it's the same uh, title in French. It Préparez-vous is. mouchoir. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, but uh, going places is is definitely an American title. Yeah, that's, for the that Walsons. sounds like a, a mid-level Dudley Moore '80s film. I was yeah. just about to say, or Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and they're blind. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That what, was that, what was it? What was it? Hear no evil, see no evil. Then hear no that? evil, see that's no crazy. evil. Yeah. And and not only is that uh, not only is that movie probably a little bit offensive today, it also has Kevin Spacey in it. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. So it's a it's a all right. Awesome. However, I do not want to talk smack about Gene Wilder, who is one of the absolute most wonderful, awesome. Actors His stuff ever. started to deteriorate a little bit. Oh, he was terrible much. by then. He but but he was still a nice person. It seems. So I'm. Oh I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. Very yeah. good guy. Um, As opposed to Chevy still, Chase. <laughs> Yeah, who is like I'm? I am as big a fan as anyone of early Chevy Chase. Oh like, yeah, the Goldie Hawn movies he made, Flinch, mm-hmm. which is just fucking absolutely incredible. I'll go mm-hmm. as far as like modern problems with Chevy Chase. I'm still on mm-hmm. board, um, but I don't know when he lost it. But man, that he lost all of it pretty quickly. And, uh, and then what, what's the other one that he did that was kind of no? Uh... No, the vac- first vacation was pretty good. Second one had a couple of good jokes. Groove Tube? Did you guys ever watch Groove Tube? Oh yeah, Groove Tube is um he uh, wrote the same it, guys right? did, uh, so he did Spies Like Us too. Yeah, oh yeah, Spies. I thought spies that was like okay. Us. That's an okay movie. It's 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 better than I imagined it would have been. Doctor, 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 doctor. Yeah, that's that's yeah. not that. That's very uh, very 80s and very Cold War spoofy. Yeah. yeah. And like yeah, that's that's the that's when the <sighs> 80s started Didn't he do the one where he was an arms dealer? Uh, oh, greatest yes. American uh, what was best, that one? Best defense. No, no, no. The best. No, it's not best defense. Chevy Chase arms dealing. Isn't that best defense? No, it's, it's it's the one by John Carpenter. Is it? Hang on. Deal of the century. I think it's called. Deal of the right? century. Deal of the century, and that is directed by what? Whoa, William Friedkin. What? 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 <laughs> I was I was all I was rolling in there going you know it's it's that's uh, the John Carpenter movie that nobody talks about and then I am I was not prepared for that's the William Friedkin movie that nobody talks about <laughs> William Friedkin isn't William Friedkin Michael Bay's illegitimate like Michael Bay's no. illegitimate no. yeah 
Yeah, William Friedkin is the, 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 one of my all-time favorite directors. I've, uh, in fact, Dave 3D guy and I went to go see him uh, and speak in front of The French Connection, which he directed, oh. as well as Sorcerer and uh, The Exorcist. He was married to director. the woman that ran Paramount. Yes, that's true. But Deal of the Century, Chevy Chase, Gregory Hines, and Sigourney Weaver. That's right. In a very poorly photoshopped jet. That's what I'm looking at right now. It was oh, weird. Man. It was basically a stealth to comedy show. What was the, I think the, the jet? That? I believe was unmanned, just like stealth. I Does believe. anyone in chat know what the hell I was talking about when I was saying John Carpenter uh, directed Chevy Chase, <gasps> uh, the Invisible Man movie, right? Oh, really? Yes, yeah. John Carpenter directed that Invisible, the very bad Invisible Man. Yeah, movie. I remember that one. Okay, that's what I was making, mixing up. And I love John Carpenter. That movie is not a very good movie. That's too bad. Um, but uh, by that point, Chevy Chase had uh, slipped into what seems to be um, a bitterness, like pure salt. I have no idea what There's happened. There's a lot of, like, like, like Steve Martin does, doesn't do any comedy, doesn't tell any jokes or anything anymore. That's right? true. Well, he changed it. Like Dave 3D guy uh, will argue with me on this one, but uh, because uh, he, he, I believe, is rightfully disappointed that Steve Martin basically doesn't do comedy anymore, but at least that was a choice. Like he yeah. was just like I'm basically stopping doing comedy and becoming a novelist and a banjoist, and uh, that's his new life. Yeah, yeah. and I, I respect that. It's not my actually. I like his books. He is a good writer. Uh, I like his books a lot too, and yeah. I've read all his books. I, and he just you know it was time to move on. Yeah, yeah. He was just like uh, yeah. He he knew that he was at the end of his game, uh, comedy wise. I loved him in L.A. Story. Oh, L.A. Story is wonderful. It's great. Good. And yeah. he directed that as well. That's a, that, like, that is one of the most oft-quoted movies that I think that people don't even know what they're quoting. Yeah, uh, right. Like, there's some of, you, like, some of oh. these houses are almost 20 years old. <laughs> 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 that, that is, that, that's a good one. That's a very good He's, one. I also loved his period where he worked, where he did, you know, what's his name? Just passed away. Um, but uh, he did, like, Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. Oh, God, yeah. With yeah. Carl Reiner, yeah. Carl yeah. Reiner. Yeah. Oh, man, that's a Genius good. stuff, dude. I mean, look, yeah, we we bring it up on virtually every single Martini Magi, but we have to bring it up now. The coffee making scene in Dead Men Don't Work. Yeah. <laughs> funniest things that has ever been recorded. Yes. Like it's 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 one of those things you can't even believe is real. It's so perfectly done. And if nobody knows what I'm talking about, look up Google Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid coffee scene, Steve Martin, and then you, you'll think it's a special effect. <laughs> like it's just genuinely insane. Dave 3D points out that Chevy was pretty funny and Hot Tub Time Machine. I will definitely credit that. Yeah, for sure. he was. Yeah, and I don't. I've never met the guy. I don't know if he's a good a good person or a bad person. Uh, I know that uh, a lot of people have had run-ins with him, um, and his comedy. He just seemed to not like doing comedy anymore, and so that's what happened to his movies. But early on, when you're talking like foul play and uh, and all that early stuff, and I he was on quite a trajectory. But Fletch is the one. Fletch is the yeah, yeah. Fletch is perfect and has a pretty good plot. Like that's of those weird eighties movies that they actually bothered to write a screenplay for. They did. They did. Unlike Get Carter. <laughs> Unlike Get Carter. That's true. Is that the hey, same? You, you don't like Get Carter. I thought Get Carter. No, listen. Get Carter is good. It's just a little weak on the story. <laughs> there's no. I mean, there's oh, no story oh. at all. Yeah. It's oh, like there's. Oh. It is that that is this is as raw, straightforward as a vengeance picture gets. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And that, for that, what I was, that's what I'm saying. It's like okay, is rated out of the hundred greatest British films of the 20th century. It is rated 16. 
I, I can believe that. Yeah, like I, I the reasons why I like Get Carter aren't traditional movie reasons, but I I, I definitely think it's a fascinating it's an movie. Interesting thing, uh, you know, I've seen this movie countless times, and I watched. Well, if you haven't seen it, it's been ripped off countless a times. Zillion times. Yeah, yes. big source film. The thing is. I was listening to the director's commentary with Michael Caine on an old DVD I have of it. So mm-hmm. I watched it uh, once and then I watched it with Michael Caine's commentary. And Michael Caine said something very early on. And I guess they made the DVD like 25 years ago. And he basically said, you know, there are actors who um, get in front of this camera and they hold a picture of themselves up and say, look at me. <clears throat> right. And then, right. The other type of actor is he stands in front of the camera with a mirror and says, look at you. Yeah. Oh, and man, that's a good one. That's a good line. Like, I'm the second. Yeah. And the reason I did this film is because I came from – I didn't come from Newcastle. I came from an area just like that, and I got out. Yeah. And that's exactly – his character is a damaged person that gets out but then goes back for what he perceives is right – but he's no different than them. And he's mad. Yeah, exactly the same. And, yeah, exactly. He's, and he's no different. And he got out. The only way to get out was to be a hitman. But right. really why it's so popular among women in Britain in the seventies, they love this film is because it made them look at themselves and their society and everybody around themselves. Cause that area in Newcastle is like poor deindustrialized area. Yeah. And right. it was the worst part of the brunt of the real recession of the 70s, right. 60s, and 70s. Yep. And it made people look at themselves because he said all the crime movies up until this movie and Hodges and him were doing it. And it was genius were done by bourgeois um, yeah. filmmakers yeah, who liked the style of doing a crime film. Yeah. yeah. This was. We use real people because Hodges, the director, was essentially a guy who uh, was the guy that shot it was a guy who worked with him because they did documentaries. Yeah. So that's it, they it shot has it. exactly that flavor. Exactly. Right. Handheld and they would go into a right. train compartment and everything is like handheld and real people. So they cast right. real people, get in there. The okay. singing act that was fighting in the bar scene was really fighting. They yeah. hated each other, and they, he said, oh, just throw a drink at her face. And when the other woman did, they actually were fighting. That was real blood. Oh, man, that's bananas. Yeah. But oh, you can tell, like, that's, that's what makes this movie work, is that it, it feels like 100%. But he said, and even Kane said, the beautiful thing about this movie, and it's been taken, a lot has been taken from it, is that the realness that we had and the on-sets locations and our lighting, mm-hmm. everything was real and gritty and it came across the story it yeah. just it, you feel like you were there and crime films didn't do that and yeah, it's, it's very brutal and the other thing was is that the british crime guys never did stuff i did which was hand up money right. it was too garish for that right but i paid everybody in the scenes right. here right. take money that was an american gesture right but i did it and everything we did was different, and including the woman with a uh, 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 Britt Eklund or Nita, uh, the the blonde girl, Britt Eklund. Right. No, Nita, uh, Nita. Uh, anyway, the point is, even her, those scenes, totally against the grain. And um, it was interesting to listen to Michael Caine because he's like, it didn't do well in America because the studio 
was like, it's so British, I don't know what to do with this. So they used it as a double feature with a Frank Sinatra film called, you know, something McGrady's, McGrady's Crazy Train Ride or something. (laughs) It was instantly dead. And the only reason both of them said that America started to really love it is because of Ted Turner. Oh, it had a resurgence, yeah. Right. With MGM, and then he put it on a TV, and everyone's like, "Wait a minute, what is this movie?" And but in Britain, it's a very popular film because it's uh, it has so much social commentary, uh, yep. particularly about the environment. Right. And people, everybody there, the, they were called the Newcastles. There was a type. He said there was a there's a ward in hospital where people they drink this stuff called New, Newcastle Brown, mm-hmm. and it's such a hard. Yeah. Castle Dark or something, and it's a type of beer. Yeah, and I've drank Newcastle before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And very, it's very like, and they become alcoholics. And all those guys were the Newcastle Browners or whatever they're called, right. sitting in the bar drinking. Yeah. And um, it's definitely, he's really, really proud of it, uh, the film. I love the film because everything about it was so unorthodox and the shooting style, the realness of it, I loved. And, yeah, that's like that's uh, the that's kid. The I saw it in the '80s for the first time, right. and I felt like the title sequence and the cutting. And I know that Soderbergh loves that film because you can mm-hmm. see that in the Limey. Oh, without that, he talks about it. Yeah, like yeah. left and, and right. Like, yeah, and it's like it really opened up. Now those that house, that house that they were in, where they had all those sex parties, mm-hmm. that was a real thing. That's crazy. That's bananas. Died in the river. Yeah, it was a real thing, and it was a real guy, and his name was. Um, it was basically. Uh, da, da, da. I'll get you his name, and uh, I'll look at. It. I wrote it. There was a guy's name, and he was basically the big uh, kind of. Uh, he had the whorehouse there in an old house. It was a club, and you could go there. And uh, Michael Caine said after he made that in the 70s, people used to come, gangsters, real gangsters, to come up and said, it's not, you know, you missed the point with the film because we thought it was genius because it really depicted us. But we always have family, like our kids got a cold and everything like that. He's like, yeah, but he's going back to revenge his sister's, you know, his niece's death. They're like, yeah, that's family, too. But he said most of the gangsters would come up to him or Hodges said, and they were like, you depicted us in. It was like Goodfellas before Goodfellas. Right. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a huge, huge breakthrough. Movie. I mean, like, I feel that, yeah, like it's like, this is a, it's such a unique movie. It's a, such a deeply, deeply British movie. Like, I don't know if there's a total American equivalent to this, um, that, that, that captures that kind of, like there may be, maybe there's I'll a call it, try to remake it with Stallone in Vegas. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you an American film. That's the equivalent possibly and groundbreaking in many ways mm-hmm. was uh, the one that, Oh God, I saw him in a restaurant once in LA. Uh, the, 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 he did it. Uh, it was all those guys walking around in Texas in the early nineties in Austin. Oh, well, uh, slacker. Yeah. No slacker. Sla- slackers in, in Austin and is yeah. walking around in the early nineties. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. slackers. That's what you're thinking of. Uh, uh, Slacker is the one where the camera follows from character to character to character yeah. across all of Austin. It's an Americana. There right. are a lot of films that depict just Americana and you feel like you're part of that environment. I wonder if and- this is sort of like a, cause like I think about that and I, cause I was thinking like French connections a little bit this way. The Godfather kind of gets, I mean like all these movies, like they they talk about sort of 
places in America, then everyone sort of like goes, "Oh, I love that movie." But like when I think of when I think of um, uh, Get Carter, like I feel like everybody in and all of England would have an opinion on Get Carter. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I think that there's like there that like I may be wrong about that. I have, I have no idea. But like no, it feels no. like it's an across the board it's, thing that it, people have feelings that, about. That's right. And if you're of that generation, for me, when I was like 13, 14, 15, I through my late still to this day, I was a huge jam fan. Paul Weller right. and the jam. Mm-hmm. I love the clash, the pretenders, but the jam were incredible and they didn't last long, but they're very, very, very British. Right. And they didn't break into America the way, you know, other bands did, but they were super British down in a tube station at midnight. There's a bomb on water street, all mod cons, all the stuff they're referencing um, is a planner's dream gone wrong about, um, you know, public housing. All that stuff is like uh, very, very British. And I loved it. And I, f- I have the same reaction, but every Briton, somebody from Britain always has a comment where like, do you like the jam or the clash? Right. right. Or do you like Oasis or they just, they understand something that makes them reflect upon the world. And right. I think that comment that Michael Caine said, where most actors, you know, or a picture of me, that's the movie. It's a mirror. He's I'm the mirror back. I'm going to say that for the rest of my life. That's such a great quote. That's insane. It, it says everything about him. And the director said, well, that's why you're so beloved. Right. And why, because you always reflected everything back. And I think people started, admired you and loved you from Alfie and like, and Alfie's another one where he's a jerk. Like he's yeah. a terrible jerk in that movie. But you love him. And yeah. he's like, I love this role because he was the anti-hero. Yeah. Like, in a very real way, not in a stylish way. Yeah, and he was crazed. He was mad. Right. And right. and you felt sorry. And that's a lot of people look in that. And I made people look into themselves and the world around them. And I think that's why it's beloved in it's number 16 out of but the yeah, I definitely yeah, I definitely see that's, that. I mean, like a lot that if there's a something, and for me, I always love nuanced, real were there kind of films. Right. And I love that, like, Goodfellas, like, you know, films that made me feel like I'm, in terms of gangster films, but I'm yeah. there. And right. I get a sense of the world. And I always love to see how other people live and, and deal with the same issues. And that's why I've always was attracted. And plus, the thing about it, though, is he's so damn good looking. And he's Don't got a and you know what? I was going to pull it out tonight, but I didn't. And maybe a little later I'll pull it out. But I have all these cool books on pulp magazine, a pulp, uh, you know, the you know the detective stuff from the forties and fifties. Sure, right. And it's Kane. That's it. You know, it's like oh, yeah, without a doubt. Well, the thing has been like a Get Carter. Like, what's really interesting about Get Carter is that it conveys all of the same sort oh. of. Yeah, like the like it has it has the same intensity and sort of grit and style of American film noir, but it puts it in a setting that is quite real, you know, where it's like you don't really have to dress this up very much. Like this is an extremely uh, broken and depressing area of England. Um, and, uh, like you said, like it's made, you know, basically made by a documentary filmmaker, you know, like this or a shot by a documentary filmmaker. Like that's what makes this thing work so well is that like, it's so matter of fact uh, in which like the plot is like so slender, um, that you really do feel like you have this sort of like, it's, it's like a, it's like a noir film if it happened in real life, 
and uh, and it reveals this area uh, is so sort of bleakly uh, that by comparison, Michael Caine's actions seem sort of re- reasonable, even though he is as bad as everybody else in the movie is. He's, and- he's horrible, but you love him. He said, one of the other quotes he said, because I, I really, and the title sequence in there and the movement of it has also been ripped off tremendously. Sure. Yep. Um, but he said the dialogue in the film is like a nail that holds together the actors, um, the images and the actors' reactions. Right. So basically, they're just a lot of people just looking right. at the world and a little bit of dialogue. And, and he's like, that's really just kind of to, to nail on the wall to hold that scene together. Other than that, it's like, um, and he did, they were talking about like that scene where there, he was in the room and uh, with these two guys and he punches the guy in the gut because he wanted to get yeah. answers and he drinks. They just put it in the corner and he's like, it was a long take, one take. And right. he was like, we didn't need to shoot inserts and everything. And Michael's like, yeah, I used to do television theater, you know? So we used to do three hours of this stuff. So three minutes is nothing. So we come in and do the whole scene and you see the back of his head. And he said, you know, most actors at that time would say, Oh my God, that's the back of my head. He said that some famous actor, he wouldn't say his name came to him and said, I don't understand it. You've done so many movies where you're killed in the end. Mm -hmm. It's like none of my peers well, they were like, why would you want your character killed? Why would you want to like, That would be one of the first things I'd want. <laughs> no, he's like, they didn't want to be killed. They had such an ego. So right. late 60s, you know, Funeral in Berlin, all these films he was doing, he died. Right. right. And he's like, but that's, it makes it a cool film. They're like, yeah, but you're the lead. You shouldn't die. That's one of the best, that's one of the most fun things to do. Like, why wouldn't you want to do that? Like, I do, because the thing is, you're a movie star. You, you yeah. want to, you're thinking you're next. Or you, he said, they're probably just thinking, how are we going to make a second uh, sure. uh, you right. know, part two? Right. Well, I mean, like, because, like, um, let me say about that back of the head thing. Like, that is actually my, my favorite way in movies. When movies convey someone, like, privately thinking, I like, like, the shot of the back of the head is my favorite is my favorite yeah. shot. Like when that's when you cause like, you're getting so like, you know what that feeling is when you're, when you're just living inside your head for a second and the whole world just sort of goes away. Yes. And like Michael Caine is so like, when you say he does the, you know, holds up a mirror to the audience, essentially like you watch his pro- through in through everything, like watch what he does with his eyes. It's almost nothing at all. Like he barely does anything. Like he is just looking straight ahead. Yeah. And he said, of- He's like he got a lot of feedback in the uh, in that one scene where his brother's dead and he's shaving around him, mm-hmm. and he said, you know, a lot of people said, you know, it's so stupid, you know, you should be grieving. He's like, actors grieve. Yeah. He's like, well put. You know what? Well you know, he said, I saw. He's like, I'll tell you a story. I remember when I saw the space shuttle explode mm-hmm. on television, and you could see the parents of the female teacher that was on, and they just didn't say anything they just kind right. of looked at we're trying to yeah take it all in yeah they weren't grieving like oh and he's like that's why i was like you know what when the girl was in the trunk mm-hmm. and he knew it he didn't try to go stop her he was like i can't do anything about it yeah yeah i i, I do i definitely think that like actors are like almost all the time uh the more like the more they give to the camera the more they're taking from you you know, uh, and I think that uh, you really want to, uh, and he's a perfect example of this. It's just like, if you're feeling great, big emotions, 
um, in a movie, like the first thing you should do is try to keep them from the audience. Because if you're really feeling them as an actor, they're going to get out and they're going to see how much you're going to try to keep them in. And the, the struggle that goes on is what makes it emotional. Yeah. Like, he talked to, he talked about Hodges, like this was his first film. It cost mm-hmm. like 700,000 pounds at the time, which is mm-hmm. a lot, but it's not a lot. But he was like, uh, I didn't realize until Michael Caine shut up and I was like, Oh my God, we're Here making, we are making a movie. Yeah. Oh my God. But he said, Michael Caine even said, I, you gave me, allowed me to say, I, can we try this? And we did it. Mm-hmm. That's you know? incredible. That's great. And so it was almost like Caine directed a lot, like that scene where they're in the room and it was just a camera on the sticks and they're falling on me drinks. He punched the guy in the gut. The woman comes in and instead of doing all the inserts, just do it as one. See the back of my head. Right. And then yeah, I had one brilliant. light reflecting. And, I don't know why I love this movie so much. I think it's very gritty. I understand there's some, but there's also realness to it. And there's also, um, it's a contrast because you have such a grittiness, but then you have a, a beautiful star. Right. Right. And then you're, all of a sudden you see how he is going downhill and you're like, Oh, it's so weird. These contrasts. Right. Well, that, uh, that's a, that's an interesting thing because like with, with movie stars, man, Michael Ken is definitely a movie star. And like and, the, he was a big star, Alfie. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, big, big dude. And he like he is, uh, and this matches up with what he said about acting. Like the the goal of being a movie star isn't to deliver a particular character; it's to put the audience in the movie. Like it is a like the idea of like the because when you have a really like a uh, the two things that the movie stars are supposed to do are. Um, make you feel like there's nobody in the room but you and them. Like when you're watching whatever, you know, like a, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, I feel this way about people like Ryan Gosling. Uh, People can argue about that. But like Ryan Gosling is so accessible as a person on screen that it's very easy to forget. There's, you know, like a camera crew and 20 other people and lights and all this other shit that's happening. Um, Or if you look at George Clooney or, you know, Julia Roberts or whoever else you want to pick from that. You know, like they're just, they're able to uh, create, like to destroy self-consciousness. They're so confident naturally themselves that they lend that confidence to the audience. Uh, And the other thing, and along the same lines, is that they are the, the reason why movie stars are beautiful or incredibly handsome is because they represent you as your best self. Like mm. you wish you felt like like I'm you watch I watch Brad Pitt movie and I'm like fuck I wish I I want to feel like that and Brad Pitt's like you can pretend to be me for two hours like imagine if you're as fucking charming and handsome and lovely as I am and but that's, that's what, generous that's the mirror coming back or right. you're just like I'm this is who yeah I am. this is yeah, yeah this part. is exactly where I was going is that the the greatness Sorry. of my no, no, no I, I'm just I'm reemphasizing like the greatness of Michael Caine is he does exactly that. And then puts a character into it. So yeah. he like he brings you in and sort of makes you complicit uh, with what's happening. Uh, and that's like that's what makes him really unique because he does yeah. this in and in, in all the all the sixties movies he does he does this incredibly well. Um, but like Get Carter, where he is, he really does some vile shit in Get Carter. Like that stuff you can only do if you have a. A, a movie star that is also a great actor because you can't break it by having him be too handsome, but you can't get away with him doing fucking mean shit. If you're simply a handsome guy, yeah, like you really need to make it work. 
Yeah, and that's what the director said. He's like, you know, it was a gift because he really is pretty much the only person who could have done this because yeah, it's really else stunning. just pushed it to a limit that is just like, nah, it doesn't work. Yeah, I agree. Um, but he's there is something that resonates with me so much. And then when I saw the limey, I felt the same way, not in a gritty way. I just felt that now Terrence Stamp is, you know, the interesting thing about that is that all those clips in it are from a Terrence Stamp movie called Poor Cow. Poor Cow, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and so it's like they cut that in. And when I saw that, I really was like, oh, get Carter, man. And I loved that movie. And I, as I sent you a sh couple shorts that I did years ago. Great, great, great work. Oh, thank you. Um, but it was that style, that feeling where we just go downtown and shoot. It's kind of the same way as- hey, People, I don't think people even know today how important uh, the limey was to yeah. indie filmmaking, uh, yeah. like the, to the style of editing that everyone's completely used to today. Like yeah, it's, it, it broke through dialogue ahead and behind. You look at a scene behind, like out of sight, same right. kind of thing. It's like, but get Carter was like that. Yep. Now there is something in the commentary. I've been waiting for so long to say something. Oh my gosh. All right, go ahead. <laughs> you guys have been talking all over the map, like in five second bursts of thought with no connection between one thought and the next. And you're not actually making any connection to anything through this. Correct me if I'm wrong. Anyone in the dialogue has, has anything made any connection between one thing to the next and everything that's been said in the last 35 minutes? You can, you can be harsh in the chat. You can, you can hammer it. <laughs> I don't uh, think it's made any sense. Like it's all just praising the movie. And like I love this shot, We're and then I know, and then this, and then that. But there's no continuity of thought okay, at all. Okay. <laughs> Just one, yeah. and then I'll shut up after this. I didn't know this until I watched the director's commentary. But when you see him on the train, right, and he's in the compartment and he's reading, right, in the very beginning with the title sequence, where he's like, "I'm going to go to Newcastle," right? Mm -hmm. The guy sitting in the compartment with him like reading across, you know how their chairs like this. So he was mm -hmm. sitting there reading and then you kind of scan as people walk through the glass and so forth, you know, on the train, the guy reading a book across from him uh -huh. was, was the guy that shot him at the end. Oh, nice. On the beach. Yeah. That's good stuff. Baby. That's nice. That's nice. Which that's means good. he was set up by the Cray brother type guys. Yeah. That's nice. That's nice. That's good. And I, like I never knew that. They're like, yeah, that's the same actor. And we want it. It just didn't come across. That's great. That's great. Yep. Man, I'm man. All right. Now, Chris has something to say. So go for it. Tell us what you got. Tell us your opinion on the movie, Chris. Well, first of all, first Dick Carter. I just want to tell you one more thing about just the thought. No, 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 no. no. Let like Chris, like Chris show. No, no, We've been no, no, talking no. for a long time. And he has some very good. No, no, no. I haven't said anything. I'm going to let he wants, you know, he wants to, he he wants, He's going to get angry no, when I start like, talking. I'll tell you this. No, I'm not going to get angry. I don't care. Here we go. We're ready. We're ready to receive. Let's hear it. So I loved the way that Get Carter was shot. I thought obviously it's very unique. I thought there was a lot of things about it. The problem with Get Carter is that it 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 didn't really have a plot or the plot was very simple, but then it was very complicated at the same time, which made it like, is it the film that I'm just watching for the experience or am I actually supposed to be paying attention to what's actually going on? And so by the time you get to the end, you're like, wait a minute, what's going on? Because you're kind of lost in this world, which is a good thing. The Limey does that very well. The Limey's plot is even more useless, right? right. It is completely like, who cares? Like, and the dialogue in the Limey is definitely 
like, oh my God, simpleton dialogue, very simpleton, mm -hmm. right? But the the acting is good, the shooting, the directing is fantastic, the editing, all of the, everything, the Limey is a great experience. It just, it, it, it strips out all of the complication of plot and dialogue so that you can enjoy the experience as the characters are involved, right? So that somehow was much more cohesive as the experience you're supposed to get. And I'll, there's right. much more about it. But in Get Carter, now maybe it's because Get Carter is a cultural thing or whatever, but it's like, it's just complete random streams of thought that are stripped together. And then, oh, somehow there was a plot put in here that I was supposed to be paying attention the whole time. And I didn't have that. I didn't think about it. I had to watch the movie three times to be able to get through all of the plot points that are going on in this film. Right. And it was a problem to me. Right. And when Eric was talking for 35 minutes and he was going and this happened and do and I love this shot. And then didn't this guy said that thing and that and that's exactly what the experience of seeing the movie was. Nothing was continuous throughout the whole process. But right? the world it, understood and you picked up something of value. Can I quickly? Did you? Yes. Did you? Yeah. Like Eric <laughs> did. You did not. That's what that's what happened. Right. Okay. So I no, I did pick up I did pick up value in Get Carter. I don't want to say I didn't pick up value in Get Carter. I'm just saying there was there was parts that's like either have no plot or have a plot. And but I but put the priority in that area. If I can do say this. That commentary by Michael Caine where it's the mirror facing back. Sure. I remember being in a theater group in LA and it was like the guy said teacher was like, you know, acting is all about your eyes, but not a lot of it. And it was like, that didn't really make sense. But yeah, you kind of look at people's eyes and you follow. There is a sense with this film that there's more depth to it about where we're going and what this is. And even Michael Caine touches on that. And he's like, you know, a lot of people just didn't give a shit about these people in the plight up in Newcastle. And in a way, everyone's lives are horrible. And it's like, yeah, cause it. but now hold on just quickly. The thing is, there are some movies where if you don't catch e every plot point, you still there's something about the world that delivers something. And it's an interesting point. I remember like older people like my grandmother from Brooklyn. And when talking about The Godfather, instead of saying, well, the plot point and Michael does this and that on Godfather 2, it was like, how could Michael kill Fredo? That's his brother. You know, it was just the moral thing. Like the moral lesson they picked up was why would he kill it? And they would talk about that. And I'm like, right. they probably don't remember any scene in Cuba or anything. It's like, why would Michael right. kill his brother? Why would right. he break those bonds and do that? Well, and I mean, that was some sort of moral thing. That's what they got out of the movie. You know, I, I would, so I, I would actually, I would actually dare anyone who but if you Godfather want to 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 tell me what the plot of Godfather 2 is after they've seen it they okay. don't know they don't know That's, what the plot is it's very hard to follow your point and if the, you go to get Carter the problem with get Carter is you're kind of lost in that world and I can totally right. accept that but by the time you get to the end it's like Oh shit! I should have been paying attention. Ah, you just like see that's that, that's to me what the movie does. Like, well, like, but I should, I should have been have, paying attention. Paying yet attention. I understand the irony of this statement, right? right? But it doesn't do that. And somehow, okay. So if you watch the Limey, the mm -hmm. Limey somehow seems like a slightly better execution of it because you can get through the whole movie and like I kind of get what happened. You know, like you can cut it, you can yeah, do it. But it's also not... the Limey is not very like as you said, like the Limey's plot barely exists, right? Right. And the and the and the greatness of the Limey to me is that it absolutely recognizes that there's no plot. Like the the Limey is an emotion. 
Like that's yep. what, that's what it does. The, and it, and I think it's that it's so it, good. It's 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 extraordinarily well done. It it's, a, it's an incredible breakthrough for Soderbergh for indie film and for editing in general. Like it's a it, and we can we can talk about the details of that in a minute. But like the Definitely I, we're going to get into that. Yeah. So like, but yeah, just down to Get Carter for a second. I think that I think that Get Carter uh, is a hard film to like in terms of like uh, like this is not going to hit for everybody because it is it is a it is abrasive. Uh, there's like. Now I'm going to say that it's sexist. I'm going to say that it's sexist towards literally everyone in the film, men and women, like mostly yeah. women. But like, it, like it has like these. All the characters are, um, uh, like all the men are disgusting, wretched, yeah. murderous pigs. All of them. Like that's it, right? There's nothing redeeming about any of these people. The most redeeming character is Michael Caine, and this is a person who kills a woman by injecting her with heroin and you just, and it just happens. And then it just happens. And you're supposed to go, Oh, that's a hero of the movie. Like that's the best person. That's the best guy you have in the movie. And then all the women are locked into these like extraordinarily stereotypical roles, but not just to an objectified to an extreme, but this is not just happening uh, because the filmmakers feel that way about women. It's, this is what is happening in this, in this town. And in this, world which is very real i'm gonna to get to that you know? point a little bit too because you know I, I mean i watched it with karen and hers and i was like yeah okay so i was like you know, i've sort of forgiving of the 70s and the way that women are portrayed etc cetera, etc cetera. and she's like i'm tired of this shit right of course a little bit yeah. right and 100%. so and a part of it is like you know and here's the thing right we are three white guys talking about movies and sometimes we don't we forget no I'm, matter I'm, how much I'm, I'm saying something that's absolutely in line with what you're, what you're saying. Sometimes what, 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 we forget that we are three white guys and we don't have the perspective of a woman. I no do, matter I what. I, no I, matter in, the, in this are. moment, I am not forgetting that I am a, I am a, a privileged white guy. I am, yeah. I am saying that the difficulty of this movie is that this is an incredibly hard watch for me. Because sure. of what happens in it, uh, and so, so like there is no redeeming. Can we not watch? Right. Can we not? Then we can't watch Apocalypse Now. No, no, I'm not saying. No, 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 no. Listen, I'm not. I'm not saying that we shouldn't watch. I'm not saying. I'm not a cancel culture statement here. I'm just saying this is something that's 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 yep. possible, right? Karen, if you go, if Karen's right to be right, if you look at out your handkerchiefs. The woman in the bar redeems her role as a female and puts it in their perspective to those ridiculous guys, right? She right. just you, you spend two minutes making that point and you've redeemed right. all of that character. This right. And so this movie does absolutely does the audience no favors like that whatsoever. Right. No. Like and so like this is what I mean to say is that like I don't women never redeem themselves. Not even the woman who's at the at the bed and breakfast, right? Right. No, and she's no, the closest no. one possible who could right. possibly oh, redeem what, herself. Wait, Everybody so, in a such a degraded world where poverty and they've lost everything. They've broke all their families are broken up, right? And here's a guy who's lost his mind. He's like, I'm going to solve this. And he does. So how different is a taxi driver? A guy loses his mind and, and right. he thinks his so, justice is this way. I mean. So like what, what I just want to get to is that I think, I think Karen's totally right. That this is like, like I'm tired of seeing this shit. Absolutely. Like it's just a pain. It's a pain in the ass just to watch it. Right. It's uh, the movie is like makes no excuses for anything 1971 that totally accepted as process I don't, for but film. that's what i'm saying is i do not think that this is actually this may have been more de rigueur in 1971 but the movie is actually 
aggressively trying to make you uh, unsympathetic to everything about the movie. Like, yeah. like it's like, this isn't trying to like, it's not trying to say like, Oh, we're you know, like, we're going to try to make this, we're going to try to make this an accessible movie where you feel good about watching it. It's like everything about this is terrible. The place is terrible. All these characters are awful. And most of this, like almost everybody in this movie is made the way they are by the people around them themselves. Like this is a poisoned situation. And so yeah. like, uh, like whether it's the women or the men, like they are all, like, I know, all the, they're locking each clarify, other. That concept that Karen was saying, well, um, the, you know, I'm sick of this, but that's what the British public in the sixties was thinking about Newcastle. Right. Exactly. Going, that's what, this is what I'm saying. They were like, you know, geez, we, we you know, we got to kind of look at ourselves here. We, you know, and we kind of deindustrialized ourselves, and everyone's yeah. corrupt. This is how right? everyone is. This is this is a ruined place where everyone is treating each other horribly, locking each other into ridiculous roles which are totally unnecessary. Everyone is in this massive codependent relationship or in violent relationships. It's a, basically a documentary about a really shitty place with lots of shitty people in it, or broken people, or or or, uh, or a lot of movies like that still today. And so, like, I I'm I. Like I'm, I have no interest in defending what the movie is representing, but I think the movie is more aware of what it's showing than uh, than simply these characters are all bad representations of who they are. Like, yeah, and I think, I think that it was based right. on a book, which is partly based on a true story. So for those guys, and he was a documentary filmmaker, it's like this is real grit. Right. You know, we're so my, my my recommendation is like this. I want to say like this is a really fucking unpleasant watch. Everybody is unlikable, or um, all the women are mistreated horribly. Uh, uh, they're like the men, uh, and you know the men, and therefore the movie look at the women as sort of like incidental, or as uh, you know Madonnas or whores or whatever it is. Like that's the that's the that is the culture that is being represented here, and the movie doesn't argue against it. So is like it- I'm I'm not saying that it's I'm not saying that. Uh, I'm. I don't endorse any of that, but I am. I do mean to say, like that is what the situation is that it's trying to represent. So it's unple- It's extremely unpleasant. And just to clarify, by watching it, you don't endorse it. By right. not watching, by by watching it, at least there's a world that you don't know about. Plus, at that time period, it was a pivotal movie. Who was right. making stuff like this? Yeah. It's like, oh, uh, you know, it's like getting angry at Picasso for his pink period. It's just like. This is right. fucking crazy that this these guys pulled this off and they had a major star right. to go and do this. It's gutsy. It was real. And it was like never before where uh, we're gangster and high uh, gangster movies made like this. Right. And, and it's because like it, it is like the thing is, I mean, this movie the is raw, the rawness like that. Right. The, the, the movie is not this movie is not cool. It's not trying to say, like, look at how fucking cool Michael Cain is. Like, I mean, like and like. Unlike Heat, that's trying to be really cool. <laughs> like, well, yeah, like Heat is a Heat's an extremely cool. I was actually talking about this with Anne this morning. The 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 brilliance the brilliance of Heat to me, and this just as a sideline to this conversation, is that the that Heat's uh, argument is that these uh, these men can't grow up. Right. Like they are trapped in their, you know, ten year old boy run around in the streets with toy guns mode of thinking. And it's ruining everyone's life, everyone around them, and it's destroying their relationships. And the cleverness of Heat is that it says, if you don't empathize with them, then why did you pay a ticket price to come see gunfights? Like, it's saying, like, the, 
you can you can know why this like these are p- terrible people who are killing pedestrians like that's actually what's happening in the movie but the fact right. is the, the gunfights are the, the the action is the juice gets said that's what's happening for you as an audience member and it's bringing you on board with why they are addicted to what they're doing right and that's why they're destroying their lives and so like uh he does a very cool and likable version of the same statement but get carter basically dares you to leave like it's like you know like we're putting you in this situation where you like michael kane so much that you are staying in this environment that you really shouldn't stay in you know and i think that it's a it's a very it's a, like it's turning this the 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 grimness of this of the setting uh onto the audience and um, making them ask, like, what the fuck am I doing? And why am I, why is this, why is this meaningful to me? You know? And I think that that's the, like, that's the documentary flavor of this. Like I'm, I am now in this situation and I'm powerless to stop it. And I'm supporting a guy who is doing terrible things. And like, as I always say, I like movies that implicate the audience and get Carter is definitely a big one, but it is, it is not the kind of movie that I recommend for anybody who's looking for a fun ride. Like nobody is, it's it's hard bad news this movie but he was sick just like the environment yeah exactly but something so uh i don't know it captured a world that is it's pretty amazing they made that but it is like the 70s he said the studio yeah. was going out of business and you know a lot of great films came out of the 70s because they had an opportunity to do something that you know they want yeah, like, right it's like this is like applying these techniques to making this movie is really sort of radical and i think i think that like the like the reason why the movie uh you know is like the it's so affecting to the people that it affects is like it's hard to get the fucking uh setting of the movie out of your head like it isn't that you are following a plot and trying to you know like these characters it's that you lived in this place for the duration of the movie and it was a weird trashy scary place and it's like it's a it's more of a it's a traumatic experience uh and i think that that's a really wild thing to do with basically what is a a genre of revenge movie and uh and so like i think that like the you know when you like when you when you turn it over to limey the limey uh what's what's really great about the limey is that like soderbergh obviously loves the technique of um get carter Right. And he basically takes that and like blows it apart even more. Right. Mm-hmm. And turns it into this like total kaleidoscope version of the same thing. But the brilliance of that movie is that he takes, uh, uh, the, the, the get Carterness out of, uh, England and then he drops it in the middle of fucking sunny California where everything is fine. The best example of that is Peter Fonda. Yes. Yeah, 100%. Right? Like, Peter Fonda, it just, you look at him and you can feel the royalty and you know who he was and where he came from right. just in his gaze and his look and the way he smacks his teeth when he was drinking vodka in the mirror before, you know, these yeah. little vignettes of yeah, exactly. cutting together. And it, like I said, you can have a ton of imagery and then your dialogue to pin, like he, Michael King was saying, that pin the character and it was... I remember when you were born and, and your parents asked for names when she right. gets out of the pool and it says right. everything. He right. actually knew his parents, 
her parents right. before she was born. And so, so just, right. So like, yeah, so like the, the brilliance of this thing and like, cause I mean, if, if I'm going to choose between the two movies, like I'm as big a Limey fan as you can imagine. Like I think Limey I love is just Limey. raw I genius. Love the Limey. But the, the, the brilliance of the Limey to me is that by taking Terrence Stamp in this case, who is 100% a get Carter character basically. Right. And putting him into Los Angeles. Right. You are doing a couple of things. First, there's a fish. Well, out it's of, a fish out of water. Fish out of water <laughs> story, right? But uh, like, it really makes you look. Like, makes makes me look at the like. California is just easy going. Everything's just fine. We're just having drinks and bikinis, and it's easy and it's nice. And when you start to look at what is happening in that movie, like that has equally as much like uh, like characters that do nothing but objectify women long like like uh peter fonda and his ultra young girlfriend uh swimming scene and like just casual fucking drug use and uh you know fantasizing about your daughter as if she's some saintly racist. you know racist. He's, yeah like you all this like but all of this that. stuff which is also in get carter but it's put very bluntly in get carter in and what i love in the limey is like all this stuff is easy and attractive, right? And then this motherfucker comes into it. Like the guy from the Get Carter world comes in and says, you guys are all liars and you're kidding yourself. Like I'm from the, I'm from this world and I'm here to lay the truth down on you. And he does. And suddenly everything looks really fucking weird. Like all the stuff that you're accepting because it's so nicely shot and it's Peter Fonda and he's smiling. Like you start going like, wait a minute. Like none of this is acceptable at all. <laughs> like everything that's happening is terrible. It just was very, very slickly done in sex. Yeah, and, and Terrence Stamp, I loved for years. He comes from the Michael Caine world of friends, but right. you know who Terrence's brother was? No. The, it was the Stamp brothers. It was Kit and Terrence. And Terrence mm. became the actor. He's the older one. Kit was the guy that discovered The Who. He was The Who's manager. Oh, that's look at that. That's cool. That's why there's a Seekers there and all The Who the songs. Seekers. Yeah, that's pretty great. Right? That's and pretty great. were a huge deal in London in the 60s. And uh, Kit basically managed The Who from 64, 65 to about mid-70s, 70, when right. they bought Shepton Studios around 75. And right. he made a ton of money. His partner... Uh, became a drug addict, but um, Kit Stamp was the deal, and right. he uh, they were the Rock and Brothers. And his good friend, you know, who was really good friends with was Francis Bacon, Terrence. Oh, nice, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's YouTube videos of him and be like, Yeah, I used to go to his studio and pose, and you know, I think he wanted me to get him in bed, but you know, sure. I just he was, you know, <laughs> that's hysterical. I never knew, I love Stamp, I never knew anything about this, huh? like, yeah, oh, because. Yeah. He was, like, he was that's a, it's that a great case of like casting movie. casting history. Like, you have history that you're casting into the movie. That's that's what they did yeah. though, yeah. and that's right. what they did in Newcastle. They just went right. to bars. Those singing duos were actually from the locals. Right. They went into the bars and did, and so you catch that flavor of the world, and you're like, oh my god, I've just entered this world. So like, so this is the the, the upshot of what I, what I what I what I feel about this, right? Is that um, is that to me between these two movies, the more sinister of the movies is actually not Kit Carter; it's the Limey, like because the Limey has a very reveals a very sort of Jeffrey Epsteinish no, quality. 
That's right. There's a selfish asshole, wealthy yeah. asshole, and he's just thinking about himself. And he and doesn't like and, and and the movie is treating him like, oh, he's, he's not that bad a guy. Great man. Like it's all this stuff. Man. Right. Well, that's because of Peter Fonda. Peter yeah, Fonda does such a good Exactly. Peter right. Fonda sells you the gag, and it makes you feel weird about wanting to go and kill him. Right. The irony is this he was the big music producer of 60s music about peace and love. Yeah, exactly, which is great, right? And so everything about the movie is designed to make what is happening, what, what Peter Fonda and his whole world represents, is shown as very s- sort of slick and acceptable and charming in a very Jeffrey Epstein-ish I, way, I, I, right? That maybe he was based on – that Peter Fonda based that on um, Terry, uh, Terry Melcher, Terry right. Melker, right. who was Doris Day's son, who was Candy Bergen's boyfriend, and he was right. the guy that produced – the beach boys. Right. And so like this, like there's a, there's such a sinister underbelly to this story that gets essentially revealed with a fucking hammer with uh Terrence stamp. Right. That this is the, like I, I said, like, I guess like the way the quick, the quick way to say it is that my feeling between this movie and that movie is, is very close uh, to my feelings between, um, um, uh, uh, blow up and girl, the dragon tattoo is like blow up is, abrasive and unlikable but i can see what's happening and, and you couldn't have girl with dragon without blow up oh without a doubt and so like but yeah, like so get like carter. and get and get carter i can see what's happening and i have strong feelings about it in in the limey like i'm kind of in on what's wrong and the movie then quickly reminds me of the fact that i am actually a part of this and so it's a great reinvention of what get carter is doing now i can't i can't really tell how like i don't know anything about the filmmakers for get carter really so i don't know what their feelings about say women are or anything like this but the fact that like what it is likable to audiences that like this movie isn't the fact that women are treated poorly it's the fact that the movie is very very ugly and blunt and well uh, hold on I, yeah. so there's a lot still go, you guys are all over the place it's really hard to get a single train of thought go for it sorry it's all yours. <laughs> and i don't know if people in chat are actually paying attention or not because no one's everyone's sort of stopped saying but but like it's it's in get carter definitely had something wrong about it when it talked about how they talked about women now mm-hmm. whether they acknowledge that or not they certainly I, I mean, we can we can always say, of course, that's what they thought, but we don't really know. Just like you, just like you implied, 100%, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. So we don't really know how they thought about women. Now, in in clearly, to me, it's Soderbergh was definitely influenced by Guy Carter. There's no doubt mm-hmm. about it, and that's great. And he clearly thought that he needed to address the feminist problem, right, mm-hmm. or or the, the chauvinist problem, right? And he yes. addressed that with the bad guys who sat there and talked about horrible things about women on the yes. sidelines. Right. They had no need to be in the film whatsoever. Right. right. Like somehow it was like, here's the part that was missing in get Carter and he inserted it into the limey. Like that's right. how I felt about it. Okay. Like somehow so, so, there was... Right. So like, <laughs> like this is the thing is like the, the, the different, like just sorry, uh, which, which part of the film were you referring to Chris? I'm sorry. I missed that, that part. The which, guys what are you talking about? about? women you said well, well when they're sitting on when they they were sitting on a sideline watching the shooting of some film the with movie. Susan Sarandon yeah. and the, the two the two hitmen were like hey what's the smartest thing to ever come out of a woman's mouth is like Einstein's dick you know like yeah, I was like right. okay that was improv so, 
for me, I sense that was just that, but they kept talking about were, women in a very oh, condescending way. Right. So they at least were told to improv about women, yeah. right? One hundred percent. I mean, I had nothing to do with the movie, really. The movie it just it focused on the hitman, and I didn't think his imp- I don't think he was that strong of a character. Um, like I didn't like him as much as like Terrence Stamp. He was kind of a weaker. No. But no, when, not, when, I didn't when, like, I didn't like, uh, I didn't like uh, that Peter Fonda's confidant was terrible as well. Like he right. was like, very good. Right. Yeah. Like there's a, like the th- then what I, what I believe you're saying is that like this movie is trying to where get Carter may have been like the goods and the bads of get Carter may be unconscious, right? Like the, the filmmakers may or may not like have a thing to say or things that they're trying to sure whatever it is like the, and so to, to sum up everything that I was saying that get Carter, the experience of get Carter is unpleasant, but I think it's also very important and creates a very vivid world. That's hard to escape in your mind. And I wouldn't, uh, if you're going to keep what is good about get Carter, I don't think it's solved by having like a positive character representing, you know, uh, we're representing women in that movie because that would seem radically out of place in this movie in which everyone is scum. Like everything, everyone is terrible. Everyone treats everyone awfully. And the, the reason why the movie works is because this world that it is creating is ugly and bad. And that's what people are reacting to via the documentary style of the way it's made, which represents a cross section of a very deeply impoverished section of England. And that's why people in England, as, as uh, Eric was saying, reacted mm-hmm. to it. So to it. So I understand. Let's... So with all that in mind, and just to follow through the thought, yeah, that yeah. all of that, like whatever the filmmakers thought say about women while they were making the movie, like the people that watch that movie aren't receiving it as like, yeah, women should be treated that way. Like, that's not how I receive it. That's not how Eric receives it. Like we're receiving it as, as this is a, this is a very grim, bleak and well-constructed bit of semi-documentary filmmaking. That's very unpleasant, but creates something that's indelible. Then when we get to the limey, Steven Soderbergh, very aware of these same things does something that I think is much more subtle and ultimately more interesting which is to consciously make a movie that does this for the audience and implicates the audience in subtler ways uh, and also telegraphs that it's doing this by having the characters talk about women in the way that they do um, and making you a part of sympathizing with the bad guys before the hammer comes down. I think it's a little simpler than that to me, honestly in get Carter. It felt that they were, they were basically, uh, 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 somehow glorifying virility as mm. opposed to uh, uh, pointing out the chauvinism. Right. And there, they, so you look at it and it felt like these are really tough guys, tough, tough guys. Right. And that's what it's about. Not like these are really assholes towards women and they I don't understand. Well, just to say like, uh, I, I found nothing glorifying about that movie. I think they're all disgusting murders. Well, I did, yeah. <laughs> like, like that's how I felt about it. There's like, a little bit, there, oh, come on. There is a, there is the, the way that they portrays women feelings towards Michael Caine is sure. all about supporting his virility, right? right? Supporting him being an asshole. Oh, continue to be an asshole. Right. That's what women like. Here's <laughs> that's what's going to get you women. If, here's, here's the thing to see all these comments. If, you get to the end of the film and we said, well, he's actually a guy that was with serious mental issues and he was in a mental state that was declining. Would everything you just say be pertinent? 
Well, not question. If he if if they said he was insane, he was a drug addict. You saw him take drugs, right? Mm. You saw him lose his mind. He's lost his sense of family, and he felt in his last thing that he basically, um, you know, needs to do this so he can feel like he had a family or he does something for his family, even though he had no connection. Do you know what I mean? You don't get that closeness you pick up. And it was only when we give some money to that girl, but he gives money, of course. And it was really, he was declining. He started to lose his faculties. He's, you see him breathing heavy he, and, you know, fighting it out. He's just irrational. And it was like, um, if he was like that, could you say all those things about him? Because you look at taxi driver, you know he's nuts and he's right. unstable. That guy's fucking bananas. <laughs> that guy's bananas. Exactly. Really. But then you say, well, he's going out. He takes a woman to a porn theater. Da 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 da. And it's like, okay, uh, uh, is he really sexist or is he? He's a guy who's lost his mind. Right. Well, because like the thing with like you take a look. I always like, the got way- the desperation of Kane, and that's yeah, what like, I always had. Like it was there was this the way the way that the. The way that the characters treat him, like the the way that the female characters treat him, is actually the way that I feel towards Michael Caine. Like, why the fuck? Like, I'm so attracted to this guy as a presence that I want him to be the winner of this movie. At the same time, he is an immoral, terrible person doing awful things. He is only slightly better in any way than anyone around him. Like, why am I? Why am I even here watching this movie? Like is the question, right? But okay, I am so, yeah. drawn in. Why by... do you watch the Misfits? So this is what I'm saying. It's like the 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 reason why I continue to watch the movie is because by comparison, Michael Caine is an incredibly attractive force to me. Period. Like that's true, and right. I'm I am wrapped up in this story because of him, which is also how the other characters feel about him, who feel that way about him. So I actually empathetic to that. But the fact is that he is a terrible person. And the, that's what I mean by, I mean, I'm attracted to movies that like implicate me. Like I said, that implicates me in my decision-making and what I'm supporting here. Like this is like, it's the same thing in once upon a time in Hollywood by making fucking Brad Pitt, a, um, a woman murdering racist and the hero. Like yeah. this is a, this is a big jam up in my head because I cannot not be attracted to Brad Pitt. Like, it's impossible. The guy's so fucking handsome and charming. Yet at the same time, I'm holding this terrible limit, these, this terrible knowledge, you know, that's inflecting everything. So, like, I'm not, none of this is meant to excuse anything in that movie. I'm just saying no. the, reason, the reason why I like it and the reason why I think Eric likes it is because of that fact, not because I'm trying to defend fucking sexist portrayals of women. I, I completely agree that that's, yeah, this that's is sick. absolutely just... unpleasant and I don't recommend it. Because you like art, just because you like a certain film or, or a painting doesn't right. mean, you know, you, you can like Guernica by Picasso. doesn't mean you want fucking Spaniards killed. No, right. I'm not, I'm right. not, I don't want to harp on, on, on that, on that point, but I do say that it's never really addressed. I agree. And I'm just trying to say that. I, like, I completely it's agree. not really addressed, right? right. Like it in the limey, they address the limey, they seemingly address that, right? In like, fact, well, somehow, the limey is built around that idea, basically. Yes. Right. The whole point of the limey is that right. these women are taken advantage of. Yes. Right? right. That's what the, that's what it's trying to tell you. It's like yes. and, she's and, a beautiful and it girl. Continues. 
Right. And it <laughs> continues to make you complicit as the audience member. Yes. It's objectifying them and making you part of the problem, which is, and that's why that, that's a better movie to me. Like the lining is a conscious representation of what is going on. And it's a conscious critique of the way that Hollywood and California uh, and in an and industry works. Right. Um, whereas I, I agree with you that Get Carter is it's a, there's a strong chance that Get Carter everything I'm receiving from Get Carter is totally unintentional. I have no idea. Right. Like and so like that's so when I'm when I'm arguing for how to interpret Get Carter, it's because of that's how I interpret Get Carter. Not that's not that's how I think the filmmakers intended. I don't know. Like I I know well, it's, it's unpleasant. Partly based on a true story. Right. Like, well, like the thing is, Jack like, comes the, home or something. Right. Like, like the, like the, the reason why I like get Carter is because it makes me angry and uncomfortable. And in that it does that, I recommend that people be careful about watching it. That's how I feel about that. That's pretty much the end of the get Carter argument. Um, I like how that it affected me in a very hard way. Whereas, like, if you're going to ask me which is a better movie, it's the limey who seems to recognize what I see in get Carter and then goes, okay, how do we do that on purpose? Yeah, you know, and, and, and edit it better. Edit and, it better. You know, shoot it better. Yeah, yeah. There, but the thing is, the, uh, the thing is, you also got to realize for for Kane to do this at that time, that's pretty brave. Yeah, I mean, oh, he was like yeah. it's the an biggest ugly, British ugly role to take, man. Yeah, it's, it's the biggest British actor. Probably is there anybody that, now that has done anything like that? Can you think of a major actor, like at the top of their game, who takes a role? Because Get Carter obviously bombed. Nobody wanted to see that thing. Uh, that's right. And 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 to play such a fucking ugly, mean murderer, like a, a, a heartless fucking asshole, uh, at the top of their game because he believes in in making this thing. Is there any actor that's like that? That's right. Uh, not many, but there are some. But I'm yeah, sure. I can. I mean, I can't think of no. anyone major, right? I can't think of anyone like who there, there, there must be an example, but nothing. No it would almost be like, here's the deal. It would almost be like, like Brad Pitt in the early nineties was starting to become the big deal. Right. Right. You'd right. like him saying, I want to do the bad Lieutenant. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. Right. Like, yeah, like, like, I want to do that car scene with the babysitter, you know, yeah. or those girls. It's like, yeah. holy moly. Are you out of your mind? Cause even if you're Harvey could tell, I'd be like, you want to watch where your career is going, bud. You know, which, but the thing is, I mean, it's a great, it's a great film, very unpleasant film, but holy shit, what a great film. But that's like, that's the thing is like, I really feel like, I think about this, like this, this sort of problem comes up a lot these days, which is just like, I very much agree with like, you know, like there's like, it's like any problems of representation in film or like re representing like women, um, people of color, like anything like this, like when you're limited to this, like, you know, when you're limited to a selection of films throughout history, which, you know, uh, barely deal with anything like that at all. Don't cast people that can give any positive light on it. And you just end up with stuff like get Carter where you're like, okay, how am I supposed to appreciate this film? You know, like when we, when right now we need these big changes, we've always needed the changes, but now we're trying to actually enact these changes of what value is a movie like this to me now. And yeah, but, outside of making but hold on. What's strange is, is that they were saying in this commentary, that it actually has huge um, high percentage of women who like the film. Right. And it is like voted one of the best British films ever. Sure. So it's, you kind of have to wonder like what is under that hood that make people, at least people of the British Isles right. respond so much right. to this. Yeah. You know, no, I, I was blown away by those numbers. I was like, I didn't realize. Well, I mean, it's, I, I it's, was, 
Yeah, it makes it very it makes it very interesting because like the like the you want the answer to be like everyone's going to be on the right side of history on this thing, and people are much more complex than that and have much you know uh, stranger, deeper feelings about why they feel this way about these things. Uh, and so I think that like the discussion around something like Get Carter, you know, whether or not Get Art Carter needs that though, art needs that discussion. I, I completely agree. I completely agree. It's but I but I always want to say that like be ready for a rough ride. You know, like this is, if you got to be willing to take it on. Oh, I think we've it. had much rougher films than this. Oh, sure. Absolutely. But like, I mean, we're really good at, like this is the seventies or, right. or, or, or wake and fright. Right. Uh, those are actually, okay. Dead man shoes, right? That dead was man's another shoes. film. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Man's shoes is a very much dead man shoes is a very much a film that's reactionary or is it get Carter? Right. Yeah. And it's the same, it's the exact same movie. How, how am I supposed I to feel that, about that? That guy? one, that one movie <laughs> yeah. we guys, that one movie we saw with the podcast at the same time, the Australian one, I feel gets that world. Like they go into that world and it was so, it reminded me of Get Carter when I saw it. Which it one the, with the podcast? It was Australian. Right? The guys lived with the guy that was the writer or his father was friends with the writer of this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, yeah, the, uh, Wake and Fright. Yeah. Because, uh, uh yes, it was, uh, Joe, Joe Farrell's, uh, uh, like, yes, the, that the, movie the, had like the same kind of world when you walked into yeah. that bar with it. It was, yes. it was, it was, yeah. yeah. But yeah. somehow that there was there's something there's something, there's something more morally active in that. There's something about Get Carter that didn't quite work for me right, right now, and right. at the same time, I'm I'm listen. I'm completely fascinated by the film. Right. I right. watched it three right. times. I didn't have to watch it three times and it didn't watch it three times necessarily because I thought it was such a good film. It's like, right. there's something going on that there's I'm missing. Yeah. And it's the, oh. and first of all, it's beautifully shot. It's fantastically shot. The opening yeah. credits, Eric, you're absolutely right. Are fantastic. There's actually, a lot of, the soundtrack is really cool. It's a soundtrack's really strange, cool. The sound the is strange really cool. Soundtrack. The camera the work, the, the way they shoot, the way they show certain things. It's good. But when you look at that and then you compare it to wake and fright, for example, wake and fright is like, Oh, you definitely opened up a can of like that is a you're like in a, for a ride. It's funny to bring that up. Film, I, right? <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. I sometimes over the years I'll be like alone working in the studio and I'll just be like, uh, like champagne on ice. Yeah. How about you? About you? you know that woman who was doing the black yeah. so, <laughs> and I'm like, oh god, so that's because there's like, yeah, if like, you listen to this soundtrack, it's the complete song. It's like the, Teddy the, Roosevelt's the, eyes. It's like, but wow. like yeah, when you take something like Wake and Fright, Wake and Fright is uh like there's something, and I agree with you, Chris, that uh there's something conscious about what it's showing you, and it knows how it's fucking with you. Like right. then and, and I think that get Carter doesn't like that right. and then uh, and so like i am 100 percent on board with karen's criticisms what like ultimately that's what i would like to say no and karen so, just like, had one thing no she just said one thing is like oh, women are really no, objectified that, in this that, that particular i think that's a very <laughs> not, not only is that super valid obviously i mean when I, I don't, sure. you don't have to ask me now like hey i will is it valid dan let's ask dan the white guy uh white white male if it's valid that there's sexism here <laughs> like, right. like, obviously there's like a thousand percent valid i i think that like the um, the the fact that the movie leaves you like with no help at all about how to feel about the movie right. uh, is the thing that makes it very uncomfortable, and also that's the thing that I enjoy. So that's the hard thing for me to separate. 
right? right? I'm just like, that fucking made a big impact on me. And I'm not sure all of it was positive, but I do recommend if people are in for feeling weird, this is a really interesting movie. So, 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 okay. So there's a couple things, right? And I think this is hard. I, I, I hate to harp on it, but we're going to do it anyway. Uh, like in Wake and Fright, mm-hmm. they addressed the female's point of view in well, that yes. film. Yes. By, you know, several, from yeah, several Very places. responsibly knew what they were doing and making a choice. By address, and even though right. it's a movie about crazy, drunken, virile, angry men, right. they addressed the female's point of view and even gave yep. women power when she tried to have sex with him in the back, yep. right? Exactly. In Get Carter, they didn't seem to do that. They do not. Yeah, and I, and I think there's a bitterness because I think one of the things like the anger is so thick in this movie and they, you listen to some of the commentary, they basically were saying, you know, the way the country was being run and how corrupt it was and everybody who was a leader didn't really care. You know, they didn't, they didn't need to look at how corrupt the system was. And there's so much anger towards everybody and themselves um, that, that's it's it just captures it's it a, all. yeah it's a slice well, of on. anger but just okay but just so dave dave did say that basically you do you do slightly see the women's point of view at the beginning of the film when they're watching a stag film where the women look uncomfortable right right that doesn't necessarily give you more than that right okay I mean, but if you're making a film that's docu-style about that world of the cray brothers say mm-hmm. that's what it would be like well, this That's, is like this. Well, this is actually an argument in documentary itself, which is actually sort of interesting that there's a crossover because, like, there's a, there's the there's a school that says that documentary should be uh, should have essentially be essays that are commentary with a very focused point, and then there's a school that says documentary should just be showing things, and people can have whatever opinions they want about. That's them. when I spent an evening with Albert Maisel. He said <laughs> that to me. That's what he said. I went to his house in Dakota with Nancy. You hang out, hung out with Albert Mazel? Okay, for everybody else, this is the, uh, the guy who made sales. We've Salem. had this story before. We've oh, talked this, before, this yeah. <laughs> we, oh, yeah, and we went over there, and he was All like, right. that's why I fight with Michael Moore. But right. I tell Michael Moore, he's like, yeah, but my movies sell more than your movies. He's like, yeah, but Michael, McDonald's sells billions of hamburgers. <laughs> it right. doesn't mean it's the best hamburger you can right. get. Right. And he's like, but he says, you just put the camera there and capture they just let, you it, let it be what involved. it is. Yeah. Right. I actually, I endorse I, both, but I, I these am are going two to argue, argued schools. So I, I, I like, so <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, uh, when I first uh, went into, uh, um, when I was in architecture school, I took a documentary film class as one of my electives, right? And uh, I decided I was going to do a, uh, I was going to do a documentary. We, we, one of our assignments, we had to documentary about a person. Find a person, you have to do a short documentary. It was like our mid-exam, our mid uh, 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 right? Like, like we had to do a thing. And it had to be pretty short or whatever. So I happened to be doing uh, some research in architecture about this town in Crosby, Texas, which is uh, was a, kind of a crossover between it's, – it's right on the edge of – rural Texas and Houston, right? I, very, very, very outskirts of Houston. And I ran South? into uh, north, uh, north uh, east, basically. 
And uh, I ran into, uh, I decided, uh, this was specifically, I was given this region to explore as for as part of an architecture project. Um, and so I explored it and I decided, you know, I was lo looking around the town trying to get, gather all this information. And I was just trying to figure out like the demographics because it was clearly a clash between rural and, uh, and, and, uh, and urban areas, right? And so how those two worlds existed, right? So Houston obviously is a very large metropolitan area and there's a lot of people who work in that area. And then you have like, you know, pretty rural and I'm talking deep south areas of Texas as well. And so for some reason, I decided to pull over at a roadhouse bar, right? And it's about 4.30 in the afternoon. And I, 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 step, I, I step in this roadhouse bar and I grab a seat and it's like the record stops, you know, like this, right? <laughs> and I, I, I go into this bar and, and this is definitely fish out of water scenario, right? And I, and I walk into this bar and they're all looking at me at the bar. There's like maybe four people at the bar, maybe five, five people. And they turn us, can we help you? And I said, yeah, uh, I am an architecture student from Rutgers University. And I've been uh, given an uh, assignment uh. to study this area. And I've been looking around town for a while and looking at things. And I just need to sit down and have a beer. <laughs> right and on. they're like, all right. So I sat down. And uh, and I sat down next to a beer, this, uh, like the guy who was uh, distributing the beer, the, the beer truck, and it was his last stop. So he was sitting down and having a beer, and uh, he started talking to me about Texas. Uh, and he goes, "You know, it's interesting. You're talking about architecture and about all the different areas of Texas and Houston. And he says there's lots of ch lot is changing around here. And I can tell you this right now. You know, like if you go to um, if you go to Pasadena, which is a very, very <laughs> hardcore, uh, uh, you know, like it's like Newcastle of, of Texas, right? <laughs> the the, the dra grand dragon of the Ku Klux Klan lives there. Good uh, and he said, it's like, they're buying a lot of Michelob in, in Pasadena. It's like, I don't, I don't know what's going on over there, but clearly there's a different class of people that are moving into that area. And then, and then he was talking about all the different areas of beer. Anyway, the story happens. I ended up sitting at this bar and I ended up there for like five or six hours as the place is packed up. The bartender, this woman behind the bar, she sits me next to Eric. She starts talking to me. She's really fascinated about telling me everything that's going on around me. So they really embrace. I'm just absorbing all this stuff like a sponge. I end up hanging out. This one guy sits next to me. This is the biggest redneck guy I can imagine. Full mullet, you know, like short hair in the front, long hair in the back. And he is one of the friendliest guys and starts chatting with me about all kinds of stuff. I ended up going back to his house, which was a trailer, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. I ended up hanging out with him and he's telling me his whole life story about what's going on. I decided that I was going to do a documentary about this guy because I was like, well, this guy, is, he's, my, he's my subject. I'm going to do a documentary about a guy who lives in a trailer in Crosby, Texas. Mm -hmm. And so I go there and I, and so we have our, our video camera. This is back when video cameras were like, you know, the size of a piece of luggage. Uh, <laughs> and, and I'm going there and I said, I called him up. I said, like, Hey, I got to do a documentary about a person for my documentary class. Do you mind I do about you? And he goes, fuck, no, I don't care. Well, come on over, do whatever. Right. And he invites me to his house and I go to his trailer and he shows up and he opens the door and he's got this huge bandaid on his hand. I said, oh, my God, what happened? And he goes, oh, well, I had an accident at work. 
It's like, you know, and he, as he worked at a chemical plant mm -hmm. and uh, he, there was a molten salt that exploded and he and it, it went Jesus. all over his hand. And so he had third degree bar, uh, burns on his arm yeah. from the molten salt. And so uh, this is, this is a long story to get to where we're going, but basically I said, I'm going to start filming this guy, this character. And I'm in his trailer and there is, I put the camera because I have to sort of watch. Oh, no, I, I'm, I'm holding the camera. I'm holding the camera. And I'm just letting him t me tell the story. And what's going on is he's the, – the radio is on, right? And the radio is playing very sweet country western music, very mellow country western music. The TV is on, but the sound is off. And it's playing like I Love Lucy or something like that right. in the background, right? And then the aquarium is there which has got this beautiful blue light, but there's no fish in there at all. It's just this blue light coming from the aquarium. So the light sources are a flickering TV, an aquarium, blue light, and then the, 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 if, uh, the, the, the fluorescent from the top, mm -hmm. right? And the music is this country western music. And he's telling me the story about what happened to his arm. And then he's telling me how he has to take care of it. And he's doing that as he's slowly unwrapping the bandages and he's telling us about third degree burns. And you know, it's, this is a fresh, horrible it's burn hard. that he's got on his arm. And it's a very slow process of him revealing that. And at that moment of like, I'm about to see something really gross right? and I'm hearing all this stuff. And there's like, and I remember showing this to my documentary teacher and he was like, how the fuck did you get this? <laughs> it's like, right. it's, right. It just happened, right? You have to be there when that happens and you just have to just like say, don't hit, don't stop the recording. <laughs> yeah, know? right, right. For sure, for sure. And there's something about that that's really beautiful. Now, I definitely felt that in the Limey, mm -hmm. right? There's something about he the way he captured that clearly the influenced by Get Carter. The yep. hotel room stuff, but also the party stuff. Like all the party yep. stuff felt like, oh, I'm a fly on the wall, right? Right. And so it was really well, well done. The editing, which goes back and forth in time constantly, mm. is great. Also, I love that the fact that in Limey, he does that whole trick where he shoots him like five different ways, right? Mm -hmm. Which he never actually did. Because he I can. the security guy off the ledge of the pool. He right does now. do that. He does do that, though. But. Yeah. But the fact is, what's wonderful about the way that's edited is that it makes you anxious and mm -hmm. angry and vengeful mm -hmm. as an audience member. Yep. <laughs> you are the person who's actually experiencing this. Yep. And he does that because it feels like a documentary, even though it's not because it's happens five times. Right. <laughs> Right. It is not acted. You don't feel it acted. You feel the you feel the rush of it, and the 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 dialogue is what goes through that. The one part where it falls apart for me is when he goes on the long rant in front of the cop about something. Yeah, remember that part? Right. Oh, now yeah. he does that. See, it's not it's not a stretch. See, right. So so he goes <laughs> through this long rant, and they shoot it like six different ways. The audio is continuous. But none of the lip syncing works because they shot it six ways and you can't necessarily <laughs> right, get wild. that to sync up, right? And then you look at the guy's reaction. He's like, I have no idea what the fuck you're just saying, right? <laughs> right. And right. so, and then the like, 
by the end, he's like, just gives him the keys to the city pretty much. Let's right. him go. Right. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. Like somehow that like that felt like, wait a minute, you had me so involved. Like I totally so buy Peter Funnis character. Are, like, yeah, there, it's like there is no way that guy would have done that. Right. There are scenes in the lobby after you know, I want, you know, obviously again this week. It, it's that, it's those the two hitmen on the, while they're watching him on the movie set. There were moments where it's like, ah, um, it doesn't, you know, they, they seemed out of step with Terrence Stamp and the other characters. They, well, okay, but so it's, it's interesting because clearly. And his so, voice so, was like the guy the, from MJ's almost in Miami Vice. So. Yeah. The, <laughs> what did you say? The, I'm sorry. The, the, so the thing I have about these two guys, uh, like the two, the two hit guy men, right? It's <laughs> like the, the writing of the dialogue to me is not great and it takes a great actor and it's accomplished to make meaningless asinine conversation feel genuine right right like peter fonda nails it because he says nothing he's dumb as fuck throughout this like just just look at the two of them driving in the car going up to big sir like totally bought it but it completely asinine conversation i don't care give a shit about right? right But then you have the two guys in a bar who, the, the, especially the, the guy with the long hair, he as an actor feels like he's invested in this movie and is like, I have to nail this character. Really, like he's really trying to nail that character. Right. And he yep. does a pretty good job, honestly speaking. Like he's a dislikable idiot. Like he very much feels right. like an, some guy who thinks he's super important, but clearly is not. He does a pretty good job of that. But it's not, it's not, I don't know. There's something a little bit. There's certain people that just get me out of it a little bit. That's like ah, a little disappointed. Like the the guy who's um, uh, uh, Peter Fonda's uh, uh, friend. What's his name? The the or the guy who basically hires the hit guy. He wasn't that good. The, yeah, the Victor. Like Peter Fonda. He was terrible. Sir. Yeah, he was definitely there. Was like. I think his his is Robert Overact. <laughs> oh, uh, Bobby Overact. And he right. was, yeah. yeah, yeah. And Bobby Overact yeah, I think is, uh, like yeah. the Limey, like I think that Soderbergh's made much better movies yeah. than the Limey, like by leaps, li- yeah, out of sight, etc. I mean, I'm out actually a big fan of his last couple of movies; were pretty great. Um, but them. like he is like uh, that that movie in particular was such a like I don't know I don't know what it did. And it obviously worked for you in the same way where, but like seeing it like uh, opened up all sorts of doors in my head. Like it's, editing it's like, is. Yeah. yeah, the time it's just incredible. Was like great. the ways in which the movie works worked so much better than anything else I had seen ever. It yeah. just blew my mind. And like the and uh, I mean Soderbergh's always pushing the limit on everything, and he con- continues to do so now. Um, but I really think that 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 movie was like the big sort of you know sort of uh, a come to Jesus moment about indie filmmaking like you guys like it's either going to be shitty pulp fiction knockoffs or we're going to do something for real that's and really the Malimey, time it was the shitty right. pulp fiction knockoffs right, <laughs> right. absolutely you know? that's what really it was yep. yeah that's what it is there's something about it was and, a brave and, film for its time just like get caught yeah. <laughs> that's right. true well the thing is man it also like it's the it's the ascendance of the sort of like the intellectual filmmaker with a good uh knowledge of film history i mean soderbergh is like knows as much about movie making as you can as anyone can know and the history yeah, of film he's is more experienced the guy that made get carter 
he went off. I think he made Flash Gordon. Oh, is that the same dude? Oh my god, that's another wacko. I mean, yeah. like that movie is so unconscious. It's right. I'm like, did, am I supposed to take this seriously, or is it work of genius, or is this horrible? What am I watching? <laughs> like, I love. He was interesting because in his Flash commentary, he, in his commentary, he's like, I because of my he got the DP was a German guy who was famous mm -hmm. for making German documentaries. So mm -hmm. he comes from the doc world and he's like, I like the, right. the environment and, and having the restrictions and just shooting it and getting it, you know, moving with it. And okay. once you get to the flash Gordon stuff, it's like a set and storyboards. And it's like, uh, it Fla seemed flash like it over is, is like a flash. Oh. Is where I'm like, like it's I mean, it's a tremendously enjoyable movie, but I am, I am to uh, always wondering, is this a joke? Yeah. <laughs> like is this is this intentionally a joke or is this something that I think is funny? Well, like I don't know what's happening. I'm really enjoying it, and I think it's very funny. But I don't know if it was supposed to be funny. Like it's a it's it's a an absolute accidental masterpiece in, in my opinion. So that's that's amazing that he would do. It's like when I found out that uh, the guy who directed Singing in the Rain directed uh, Saturn Three. I was like. Stanley Donan directed Saturn Three. <laughs> like, how did that yeah. even happen? <laughs> like, it's funny. He did, this director was like, you listen to his commentary. I mean, he literally was didn't. He was just they shot in like thirty days. Sure. And he was just like Michael Caine didn't have a license, and he had to do these driving scenes. Oh, no, I don't have to drive a car. And it was just like they totally just were run and gun, run and gun. Yeah, yeah. No, it's like I, I think that the connection to when you're when you're bringing up Maisel's, it's like that that is the thing. When you said that, I was like, that is the thing that I love about that movie. It's, it hits me in the same way that Salesman did, you know. Yeah, uh, and where I'm just like, I, I, I am uncomfortable. I am very uncomfortable, but this feels yeah. quite literal, and uh, and it's hard to fucking dig that stuff out of your brain after you've seen it. Hey guys, I want to do I an experiment. Yeah, before we get back, okay, just listen up, Eric, and I definitely want you to hear you back about stuff because I think there's a lot of great things that you all brought up. But I want to run this experiment in Twitch, <laughs> and everyone in the audience, tell me if this fucks up, and I'm sorry if it does. But Excited. because we now have run 60 second ad break. <laughs> Oh, yeah, let's do it. Oh, my God, <laughs> let's do it. First of all, I don't think we're going to get any money for it, because I don't think we can get any nope, money for it. But I want to know what that experience like of me hitting that button does. So right. uh, we're going to do that. Okay, so let's try. Right. And, I'm, uh, and if you guys need to, if it starts, I'm going to use that excuse to get a, to get to refresh my 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 uh, hibiscus. Are you grass. drinking? You're not drinking alcohol. You're drinking just a regular thing. I'm drinking, I had coffee and then hibiscus uh, lemongrass, but I'm going to get another soda of some kind. Chocolate milk right here. This <laughs> chocolate milk. Chocolate milk. Yep. Wow. Uh, cool. So, so we're gonna have a thirty-second ad break. Uh, a sixty-second. It's a sixty-second ad, ad break. Ad break. Yeah. Okay. Hang on, everybody. You guys let me know how, how it goes. Okay. Let me hit this button here we'll and see what back. happens. All right. Tell us what oh. it's for. <laughs> really? Apparently, we're What's on. Happening? I still see us. I still see us here. Huh? Does everyone else still see us? Yeah, we yeah. still see us. Yeah, I'm on Twitch and I'm I'm looking right at us. All right, it still it says it's going for uh, uh, and the thing it says it's got 39 seconds going. I wonder still if it live. happens in a non-live. Okay, well I'm still going to get a drink, but oh, this is great. Okay, so we're still live. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Does anybody see an ad pop up on their screen? I don't think I don't think so. You are still live, says Dave 3D guy. Nothing's happened yet. That's funny. This is uh this is the brand new world of uh, us. Uh, making 35 cents an episode. 
It's really good. Somewhere there's a Martini Giant uh, recording going out, and there's a there's a, what do you think? What do you think it is? Is it Red Bull head? What would you go for? What's our brand? Yeah, we I think it's something like Red Bull or um, Tostitos. Oh, Tostitos! I would go. I'd get behind that. I would sign a deal with Tostitos for sure. Yeah, yeah, that'd be okay. I would. Uh, I'd. I really like a good. Um, I, I miss the. Uh, what do you call it? The, Dave three um, D said we don't have. We don't know what our audience is. Um, uh, that's true. Yeah, it's a new audience to match. It's I don't know, married like, women over thirty. Yeah, yeah, obviously. For the just for the look at this hair, man. Look at the hairstyles on display. I'm just saying. There he is. He's back. Yeah, Beautiful. I don't see an ad, guys. Unless nothing. No. So we. I don't think we had an ad. So a couple of a couple of things I think that happened, uh, which is interesting. Uh, and I missed forty minutes uh, of talk since. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So, so here's here's the thing. I think what I think it didn't run an ad for two reasons. For, for possibly two reasons. One is we haven't not completed our form on how to monetize the podcast. So, uh, right. Gonna, right. so that's one thing. Uh, and two, uh, or two, uh, it'll run the ad in the replay and not in the live stream. But right. it doesn't yeah, seem true. like that would be true because it says run a sixty second ad break. Right at that implies moment, it would be replay. live. Yeah, it yeah. implies it would be in, in the in the thing. So I think they're waiting until we sign the papers. Yeah. I think that's it. Yeah, it's probably us signing the papers, which is I'm so, more than happy to do. Deep, make some money on this thing. That's right. That's right. I'm trying to start a third podcast. Can you believe it? I think that <laughs> I think that like uh, expanding your footprint is how the money gets made. Like most yeah. of most of these people have like yeah twelve. Or like, that's podcasts. a great idea. Do you really have the time for that? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah, I don't know. Like most of the like the. I love podcasting I though, that, so, so that's the thing. <laughs> you know, just do it all day. I can do this all day. I, I, like I often think about just doing live streaming movies all day on Twitch and just chattering about them to keep my mind busy. I could easily do this. Yeah. Someone what if you? What, yeah. Why don't you just do that? I mean, that basically, release the it, pressure. Yeah, we can just do like basically the the watch party, but all day constantly. I, I would because uh, I mean while I'm while I'm matte painting, as long as I don't uh, uh, accidentally put my matte painting into the feed, then no uh, no laws are broken, and yeah. uh, you'll hear me talk about uh, shitty James Bond movies. I could do at least eight hours on that. Daily. The thing that the thing that's interesting, and Eric, I mean, you tell me, but like when I started, like there was when I was doing, you know, three D and 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 lighting and and modeling, etc. There, there's so much you could do. Like you could listen to tons of music or listen to podcasts and stuff while you're working. That was all very possible, right? You know, Karen is on a flame and working all day. She's subscribed to fifty different podcasts that she's as she does and listen to a ton of them, which is interesting. When I started supervising, that all all of those things went away, and it, I think it's the thing I regret the most, mm-hmm. right? Because you, I can't listen to a podcast and answer emails at the same time. Just not. I possible. was just about to say you just right. replaced it with email. I was going to say that, yeah. and that's what <laughs> right. it is. It's just, yeah, yeah. You can't do that. See you so, later. but I wish, like, part of me is like, what if I had a job where I was 
like painting or modeling or even lighting or doing things like that or <laughs> and we were able to because the 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 most relaxing and most boring job I've ever had in visual effects was on uh uh what that you and I worked on it together Eric uh um the guy on the skull uh, ghost rider <laughs> ghost yeah. rider nice cuz the light the, like classic. the the, pl- the 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 pipeline on that thing was so strict that you really couldn't do much more than one shot or two shots like That's at a right. time right. and and you spend most of your time waiting for things so i watched all of lost during <laughs> during yeah. ghost rider and then i got bored with like then i finished that and i decided to watch all of uh, uh, Desperate Housewife. For some reason, I started watching nice. that and mm-hmm. Curb Your Enthusiasm. Like I just, just like I just went through all these shows for long, long stretches of time. And That's I, funny I, you say that because I literally pulled out of my closet, my studio, old yeah. posters I have and stuff like that, and artwork. And I found a poster I designed because I designed the titles for it, and I was designing titles for this movie called Borderland uh, <laughs> at the same time. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, that was, and I was like, God, you remember that? I was working Ghost Rider, and you brought that up. I literally designed a title sequence. Well, who there was a guy, (laughs) there was a guy we work with on Ghost Rider who was starting his like doing doing a completely illegal side gig while working. Oh, it was Bruce. Bruce, that's who it was. I remember I went to the the office because I used to have lunch with him, and it was. Bruce and he, I literally walked into the room once and he was on the phone and he turns to me. He's like, one moment. I was like, okay. And then I'm standing there at the doorway and then supervisors come in with a clipboard and a PA and they're like, and I was like, Oh, please come in. It's fine. I'm waiting for Bruce. And Bruce turns to me. He's like, one moment. And he's on the phone five minutes. They're waiting. They're like, I'm like, as he's making deals for his other company, (laughs) he's talking completely other things in business. He's running and he, didn't get off the phone and he was just i was like god that's guts the balls on this guy it was unbelievable and they were like well we'll come back and they left and came back i was like right. wow yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah that's uh that's um literally he told me a story which best explained working in a big corporate environment like that he was walking you know how they have those office areas and they're like partitioned, you know, but they have hallways through them, uh, you know, like the big partition, but opening. So he's walking through and he sees another guy and they start talking about something about a shadow map, right? Something. Mm-hmm. And they're talking. And then four minutes into it, somebody comes up from participants, like from the partitions, like, okay, guys, you had your four minutes. If you have to talk tech over four minutes, you have to put it on the form. So everyone back to their desks and put it on the form. And they're like, (laughs) I remember Bruce telling me that he's like, I wanted to say, can I, can I rip your head off and shove my down your throat? (laughs) Cause he was like, he was like, it was like, then I realized I got to go. So the guy counted his clock without them seeing it, you know, and he was like, Oh, that's horrible. But I think it's like I can imagine, like you know, if basically, like Dan was matte painting while we were broadcasting Martini Giant mm-hmm. as a yeah. mo- as a watch party, 
<laughs> Eric's drawing and I'm tying flies. I mean, that to me, like we did that all day long. That would be amazing. <laughs> that's, that's, that's all right. It'd be raking in the dough. We get all that sweet red. And we cash. get paid to do that. Yeah. That would be so cool. Yeah, all right. <laughs> that, that would be amazing. Yep. So wait a minute, Chris, you want to sit around, do nothing, sit on your ass all day and just make money. That's the American dream. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm down for that. That sounds okay. Yeah, no, I really actually could, uh, uh, uh yeah, like blather for a good long time. I know that for if Dave 3D knows that. <laughs> like, I think I've talked about, say, Unforgiven for six hours once. So yeah, I could wow. pretty much, I could do some, I could do some time. See, look at Dave is stereo 3D editing right now as we're listening. As there we listening go. To it. Yeah. So this is, uh, this is the, this is the proper new job for um, uh, former visual effects artists, right? So, um, talking about uh, uh, Sharky's machine for oh. hours, <laughs> right? <laughs> we can make some mint on that for sure. That's unbelievable. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's. I don't know. I think you might get bored, Chris. After a while, he's got the fly tying. He's all right. Yeah. True. Yeah. Takes focus. Yeah, I do. I, I saw. So it's interesting. Okay, it's, it's funny. I got to tell you guys this story. So uh, uh, I was on a, a Zoom call with with Al and all the other fly fly fishing guys. And you got to realize, not on top of the fact that I'm twenty to thirty years younger than all the people on this call, uh, there's also um, I, I am by far you know, 20 to 30 years less experience in fly fishing than they have on top right. of that. Right. So, <clears throat> um, what's fascinating about, you know, these guys is talking, is I, I, Al was talking about my, my flies that I've been posting on Instagram and saying, it takes a lot of guts to post those, those flies that you have, because you have still a lot of ways to go to get really good. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he's telling me. And I'm, I'm glad he told me that. Right. Because it's like, all right, still, still, still a lot of things I need to learn, and I know that I know what I have to do. But I was like, I was like, you know what? It's good to post your failures because Absolutely. then you, you you know you can put into perspective the things yep. that you're you're doing. So that's right. So I posted. So I said I I went through all my flies and I really started weeding out all the ones that I thought were not great anymore that I was going to throw out, you know. And I and I, I took a picture. I was like, "Hey, no, I'm not afraid to post my failures." And people were like, "I love this one. This is beautiful." And I'm like, right. "It's interesting, right?" Because that one is not going to work physically speaking. And I saw a documentary about someone that says, you know. Uh, about fly tying and she's this woman fly tire from scotland who t- who did salmon flies and she goes 75 percent, 75 to 90 percent of fly tying is for the fishermen not for the fish <laughs> <laughs> right exactly you've attracted more fishermen that's what you've done with your flies yeah yeah so so you gotta tie and so it's like the satisfaction of what it looks like is really for you for that gets you excited about it and that's part of the experience right so a lot of the flies i've tied may not even see the water right they're just like they're just things that i'm looking at to see can i make that happen can i experience that uh which is which is 
which is fun. As well. And I'm, I'm definitely a big believer in the, uh, you know, publisher publisher failures is a, is a, is a good thing to do because man, that numbs you out to feeling bad about your work. You're just like, ah, fuck it. It's up there. <laughs> you know, like who cares? Right. You know, like, like that's what you know, like. The thing it also that, makes your successes look so much better. <laughs> yeah, well, it's true. I mean, the thing is, I mean, like it does like uh, getting, getting uh, inured to that, the like, oh, I have to, I can only show my greatest stuff. <laughs> is one of the best things you can do just yeah. across the board as an artist and all that kind of stuff, whatever it is like, just like, yeah, it's some, you know, sometimes it doesn't work. Who cares? It doesn't make any difference. Take a very Bob Ross view of the work. And, uh, and then you'll always be in the right mind to judge when it's great. I mean, you'll know when it's really good. As I saw a really fascinating documentary about Bob Ross recently. Mm -hmm. um, and it was, there's a Bob, did you know there's like a Bob Ross society or some, of some oh, kind? I did not yeah. know that. No, that's amazing. So, so there is this couple and they own or every single Bob Ross paintings. And there's thousands of them as you can. Yeah. Imagine. Sure. Yeah. That'd be just like three weeks of the show. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so they have them and not a single one has ever been sold to anyone because it started off by this guy says, I want to buy a Bob Ross. Like that was his yeah. goal. Right. And it's like, it's impossible to actually buy a Bob Ross because his family owns every one of them and they've never sold a single one. Right. Wow. Wow. It's weird. That makes me feel good. I think that's good. And it's in a, it's in like a mini mall or something like that. Yeah. 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 It's totally in a, in a, like a, yeah. Mini mall, a strip mall of some kind. It's weird. Yeah. Cause I, I was mm -hmm. very, I was very affected in my in the practice of my own art. I was affected very much by Bob Ross when I was growing up and his chill. Bob Ross is like the original Twitch stream. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. And he's, and he's ultra Zen. He's ultra. Zen. Yeah. And uh, mm -hmm. like, everything is fine. Everything is good. And like, the more I bring that, it's taken me a long time to actually make that a part of how I look at my work. But mm -hmm. the, the more I do it, the more I get work done. You know, like right. that's, it's, it's like the, uh, you know, we've talked about this, like I do this on YouTube. I do this Zardoz series, like yeah. and it's just raw nonsense. Like it's just, of course, but know, it's, it's just, that's the best part. It's fun. The, it's liberating. It's, it's liberating. <laughs> like, it's just like, I enjoy doing this work. It doesn't have to be any good. I'm yep. just doing it because it's a thing that I like to do and, and post it. And sometimes it's, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but it doesn't really make any difference. It's just like, it's an exercise that keeps the keeps the creative juices flowing and keeps me from getting bunged up about, you know, uh, my progress on anything else. And I feel like the, the, uh, if you can have something like that, whether it's fly tying or, uh, or anything where it's just like, it gets you into this sort of space where you're just making, like, there's no worry about whether you're making it right or whether you're making it on time or whatever it is, you're just creating and creating and creating. Then there's less stress when you are more, required to create like if you, it's more of a thing right and uh and i and i really think that that's one of the healthiest uh things i've you know done mentally in in a long time especially in these covid times like that was my bread making as i dave 3d i pointed out mm -hmm. it's uh doing those things is like a combination of bread making and um steven soderbergh's brilliant movie schizopolis yeah. uh which is basically him making nonsense and right. put it up there. I love it deeply. But yeah, yeah bring yeah, it back yeah. around to uh, Lamy via um, uh, Soderbergh. Like that is the reason why he was able to make a breakthrough like the Lamy is because that is his attitude uh, towards filmmaking. His fly tying 
you know, like he's yeah. just like, cool. Next yes. one. Yes. Yes. He is so prolific. Yeah. He'll make three films before we have an idea for one. Yeah. You'll 100%. make them. Yeah. <laughs> he made three or three movies last year. Wasn't it? Oh, it's like two or three movies yeah. last year. You know, yeah. and like, and each of them are worth talking about in their own way. Even if they're we not should do, we should do Tom Ford films. Oh, I love Tom Ford. Tom films. Ford. Yeah, I'm a big, big Actually, fan of. Uh, speaking of which, we're gonna have to start. Uh, yeah, if you guys have ideas, remember, ideas of things. I'm, all, I'm gonna write down everything that you guys have in terms of uh, either watch parties or podcast uh, episodes. So, uh, it's, it's all good. Uh, I I understand. I, I want to make. I want to. I want to point out. Like you know, I really like these two films. I really mm-hmm. did. But I thought that there's something that we needed to bring up on them. And I think that. Oh, without are, a doubt. Yeah. I mean, I agree with. I, I I agree with talking about that stuff because, like, I think especially with uh, like difficult movies like um, <clears throat> Get Carter, like you know, you don't want to, like you. I, I wouldn't want that movie to fall into obscurity because we're uh, because it's difficult to talk about. Like, I think that there's a deep value to the movie and we just have to sort of put it in the right context before people, before you see it. I think it's a good, otherwise, like if people see these things like right off the bat, like it's just not fun. Like there's no, there, it's more like, why the fuck am I watching this thing? This looks mm. like trash or it's, it's offensive or whatever it is. And like, and I, and I totally, I totally feel that, but like there's, uh, there's a deep documentary value to it regardless that I think if you're really into film, like it's a, it's an important movie to see uh, just to contextualize all the other movies that you love. Um, and so finding ways to discuss that and figure out, well, like why it works or why it doesn't work or what it's trying to do um, sort of defangs it a little bit that you can watch it from a distance that you can appreciate it. Even when it's like, what the fuck is this nonsense? You know, like in some ways. Right. And like, as I really, I, I think that Eric's right. Like it captures this, moment in england so profoundly that it's it's something that you want to keep around regardless it Um, does okay but let's let's go back a little bit uh, and think about how does this film specifically because of the way that it portrays a specific area so you know let's call it a a a lower class uh, uh, economically depressed economically depressed area of england in the 70s right so how does that compare to how things were portrayed in films like uh, Train Spotting sure. and uh, you know Guy Ritchie films and all those things, which are similar, right? In Guy Ritchie of- is a huge proponent of Get Carter. Yeah, it's of very, course, it's super- right, oh, right, boy. right. Although, like, it is interesting to bring up Ritchie because Ritchie is. I mean, like, I I really enjoy Ritchie. He is very, like, he is not a. I don't get a deep experience from his films. I get a zippy experience from his films. It's right? a zippy. It's zippy stuff. Yeah, it's zippy stuff. And so like he's doing the way that he treats the same material is just very sort of flippantly. Yes. Um, and uh and there's an argument to be made. So uh, this allows you more, to approach no, it from a distance, it, right? Right. No, exactly, he makes right. it more accessible. Instead right. of right. it just being a very English film, right. he makes it an English film for all viewers. Yeah. Yeah. And like I mean, like right. like I, I love uh uh, snatch i'm a big snatch fan i think that's a hysterical movie brad pitt's particularly funny in that movie and uh and like like it's like chock-a-block filled with like english stereotypes like if like every single character is like loony comic book character version of someone from england right um but at the same time like you can tell that this is made by somebody who knows this area really really deeply and is like not is not it's not uninformed of how he is 
uh, ribbing these guys, you know, and uh, and like when like when Brad Pitt comes in, rolls in with his like you know impossible to understand Irish accent, uh, mm-hmm. like you're in the mindset for like you know like this is this is now completely hilarious, and if you like it's so well done that if you listen, you can kind of figure out what he's saying, even though like it's Brad Pitt and he's obviously just mishmashing his way through it. Uh, and so like I think that there's a like I've heard people pick on Richie for sort of dismissing you know, like sort of using uh people in you know low class, lower class areas or really beaten down areas just for his, for his fodder to make fun of stuff uh but i think that it's like i don't know man it's like there's there's like i like the i like that he makes this at least accessible in a way that's not brutal you know, like a, you can just sort of find a way in uh, through through stuff like Snatch or Lock, Stock, and Smoking Two Smoking Barrels, and as long as you're aware that it's not literally what this place is like, then uh, then it's valid. Then I think it's solid. Right. But but yeah, like I think that there's there's definitely. I mean, like Guy Ritchie, and what was the, the other one you mentioned was uh, was what for um, for m- movies about England, like oh yeah, uh, freaking uh, Scotland in. Um, Oh, train spotting. Train spotting, right? And now I like. I think that train spotting. Train spotting is a great. That's still my favorite Danny Boyle movie. Like, yeah, by a leaps and bounds. Um, and uh, that one because, like, especially so because it's essentially has both the get Carter way of uh, thinking in terms of like bleak as hell, uh, and this absolutely wacko. Uh, uh, comedy vision simultaneously. Uh, and it's really like that. I think it's probably more effective than many of the films we're talking about. That's just because like, it's so off. It's so unpleasant yet addictively hilarious that you'll like, you'll find yourself in the middle of a really painful or horrifying scene because you've, you're laughing all the way up until that point. And then suddenly yeah. you're like, Oh shit, where let's, where's the exit? I don't want to see the baby. You know that kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. There's yeah but a, there's a person. There's a thing about the actors in there. I think kind of are more uh, the way Kane mentioned of like, you know, here I am. This is a picture of me, rather right. than this is the mirror. Right. Um, the interesting thing that when I was listening to the director's commentary this week was that um, the guy that was the actor when he goes and his name's Eric and he was wearing the limo driver outfit. Yeah. Right. Uh, and he was at the track, the racetrack. And he's like, yep. yeah, Eric, you know, piss holes in the sand, your eyes. Mm-hmm. That guy in real life was, a uh, uh, had really struggled with alcoholism and he died in the eighties. And he actually, they did a rehearsal. First of all, the director's like, I, I'm not into rehearsals. I just want to show up and we do it, but let's do a rehearsal for the scene. Right. And the guy worked with Michael in theater 10 years prior, but hated him. And so they, show, they showed up at his hotel suite, Michael Caine's, right. and he's drunk. And he's like, you know, you live like a king, screw you. And they fought. He started a fight with them. So he said, okay, break it up. We'll just see each other tomorrow on set. Mm-hmm. So when he comes up to him and they're doing the scene, that was the first time they saw each other since – he started a fight with Michael Caine in his suite because he was jealous. Of him. Real. <laughs> and he hated, and he said the tension was so there. And Michael just kind of walked into it and was like, let's see where we can take this. Right. And that's, it was unscripted. The, the glasses off the, um, 
his face. And he, Michael Caine was saying that is an insult. To take somebody's glasses off uh, is a yeah, complete right. insult. So there are little cultural things I didn't know about. I was like, that, that's, wow. Yeah, that's like sticking and, your fingers to somebody's wine. And he was dressed as a limo <laughs> driver. He's like, you're just a, you're, you're just, you're nothing because you drive somebody else around. Right. And right. he, but in real life, he felt like that to Michael because they started out the same, but Michael became an international star and he struggled with his alcoholism. So he didn't, but right. literally that tension he said was real. Yeah, that's great. And he died yeah, and he died in 84 at 52 yeah. or 53. Oh God, it's a drag. <sighs> Boo. Don't like it. Don't like it. Sad story. But I, that, but that is like, that's definitely one of the most iconic gags right there. Like two pesos in the snow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That lives with you for quite some time. Yeah, man, man. Yeah. There's like, I would say the closest movie to this American style. I was thinking about this since we brought it before, like I might put French connection up there. Like French Connection, which is also an unapologetically brutal movie, like ultimately does have the sort of the the judgment on on Gene Hackman that this movie lacks, but it's still like it runs a good long time with like how the fuck am I supposed to support this guy? You know, like like Gene Hackman yeah. is such an ugly ugly person in that in that movie um and it is until basically the very end that the movie goes why are you paying attention to him <laughs> like what are you doing what about death wish because he thinks uh, he, oh yeah, yeah, yeah the same yeah. thing yeah death wish just goes very close actually that's a great call that's a great call you think that he's he he's trying to do this for the right reasons right because mm -hmm. it's wrong right. but it's that's what michael kane in his mind is like you know right. right but he doesn't know what family is he never had a family yeah. Everything is just handing out money, and he's just kind of nuts. Right. Well, actually, Death Wish is a great comparison, Chris. That's a really good one because that is yeah. a fucking mean film. Like, yeah. that is, it is. That I is just a mean, saw it again, film. like a month ago right. uh, on cable, on that cable, on, on streaming. And I was like, oh, right. I've watched this in years. It's gritty. That's a, that's really abusive to everybody in the movie, but it's like it's, uh, <laughs> it's unkind to its female character, Jeff Goldblum, too. Yeah, Jeff, as a bad guy, as a as a fucking scumbag, it's hysterical. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a movie where it's like you watch that, and you're like, I'm pretty sure the filmmakers agree with what's happening here. <laughs> like, right? Like, no, I'm not sure if they're saying this is bad. I think they're saying this would be great. <laughs> but it's yeah, vigilanteism bad. is not a good thing. It is bad. <laughs> it is bad. But there is, is a sense of that, and I also talked about it earlier with Carter. There's a pulp novel kind of thing to like sure. death wish and get Carter mm -hmm. where it's just like, particularly the, the picture of him with a gun, you know, the hunting gun, family right. gun. That's a family gun, by the way, uh, yeah. because yeah. you can hunt on the weekend. So families had it. He took it from his brothers. So he's there with this old shotgun, right? But it's a family hunting gun, right? That's what they were called. Like the family, something about families who would hunt for extra food in the right. forest. Right. So there was symbolism, but it was a pulp, you know, it was a total. Well, that's the thing, because like, like, we bring up the beginning of the conversation, it was like the, that Get Carter feels like a, a pulp, uh, a 40s noir film essentially made real. And you really see how unpleasant an idea that is, you know, like it's like 40, like, I mean, noir stuff is just magnificent. Um, but if that were the real world, like you wouldn't want to know anybody in these stories. Like these are really, really hideous people. And, uh, and get Carter like captures that all these people trying to act like fucking gangsters, you know, it's not cool. It is not, it's not 
charming. It's not like, I mean, Goodfellas has this to an extent. Goodfellas is still very funny. Um, but as the movie progresses, like these people become less and less enjoyable to be around until like you're with coked up Ray Liotta and you're like, how the Karen? fuck? Yeah, exactly. Like Jesus Christ. Where's my hat? Karen. <laughs> They're never going to find it. Oh God. Yeah. Like that's like movies. I, I love that's, that's one of my favorite things. It's like when you find yourself trapped, like you're trapped in that. And then Goodfellas, you're trapped in that room with fucking, you know, uh, Ray Liotta and, um, and Karen, like, you're just like, please get me. Out. I'll jump out the window if I have to hear, her, you know, him fucking scream Karen one more time. But uh, but that's because the movie's been so the movie's lured you in so successfully. So funny, though. Oh, it's fucking hysterical. God, the movie's I love I love the end. The ending of Goodfellas is one of my all time favorite. Yeah, oh, when he gets up in the courtroom. Oh, he gets up in the courtroom. And he's just like, and like, yeah. Yeah. and then he's with a newspaper. And then yeah. newspaper. I just had to yeah. live the rest of my life like a schnook. <laughs> <laughs> like there's but so you know it's good interesting uh, yeah that is a, i was going to say to you earlier the director's favorite film the guy hodges who directed this and right. i listened to the commentary i didn't know his favorite filmmaker was fellini really yeah wow he's like i tried wow. to infuse a lot of fellini in there about the characters like eight and a half Right. You know, like you just see their faces at the bar and the people right. and the realness. Right. He's like, I wanted that. Because I, I would have thought he, like maybe he'd be a uh, Antonioni guy, you know, or yeah, a, uh, yeah, well, like he that loved kind of thing. Fellini. He loved, he loved Fellini. That's interesting because like the careless way that he treats everybody in the, in his movie is just like because Fellini, like Fellini left definitely like like Fellini loved his characters and as weird and fucked up as they were, like he was like he really really loved like like putting the camera on these people. Uh, I don't feel that there's a lot of joy in Guy Carter. Like there's not a like, like, no, he didn't write it though. It was based on a book. Yeah. And so he wrote the screenplay based on the book. Now the guy that played his boss, Carter, remember how they're sitting in that U shaped couch after he runs into this dimension and there was a girl on the couch. She's like, get another drink for me. The guy that was, is, was good friends with um, Michael Caine in real life is a famous playwright. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, the, and it was, he was a famous writer and, uh, he basically, uh, I think he helped or something. I'll get you his name, but it's, it's basically, I can see why the director being his first feature film, he wasn't close. He didn't, it was based on a book. So Mm -hmm. his first gig was to you know, make the script out of it. And then, uh, he got Michael Caine. That's wild, dude. I can't imagine letting Michael Cannon in those years. Like, because I mean, we haven't done them on the show, but I, yeah, I love the uh, Harry Palmer films, you know, Funeral in Berlin. And um, I love, those are some of my favorite films. I so love good. those. So and, really um, but the guy that, uh, yeah, Ian McKendrick Hendry, the guy was in uh, Repulsion, Theater of Blood, mm-hmm. Avengers. Okay. Yep. And, uh, Yes. John Osborne was the guy that was his boss. That was a friend of Michael Caine's. He wrote Look Back in Anger. It was a oh, theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Right, 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 right. Yep. Yeah, that. that was him. And he occasionally liked to act and he was friends with him. So he joined him because he wanted to do it based on the book Jack's Return Home. Did you ever see, uh, let's see if I can get the name of this. There was a movie that I thought of during this, uh, an incredibly disturbing movie. I got to look up the title 10 Rillington Place. No, but it sounds no. good. Oh man, that movie messed me up. Messed me up, and uh, like in exactly in like 
like like if if Get Carter's not not hardcore enough for you, Ten Rillington Place and Ten Rillington Place stars Richard Attenborough uh, mm. as a serial killer, and uh, he, he must be in the seventies. Oh, it's the same year. It's seventy one. It's the same year as uh, Get Carter, and you want to. You want like this? This movie is so claustrophobically awful. Like well made, super well made, but you want to see like a bleak fucking portrayal of England. Wow, I've never. I seen gotta check that like out. That. Yeah, it's it was that was a really uh, I was a hard hard watch. Like I was just like I'm. I think I got the point. I think I'm gonna bail like three or four times during that movie. And I couldn't believe that it's like Richard. Atmer, What's it called? Like, it's called Ten Rillington Place. I'll and check it out. I, I saw it on, uh, oh yeah, it's up on uh, Pluto TV. It's like one of those you know, semi-free services. And it's like, man, what a, ugh. that's like, uh, Ann calls them brain shower movies where you're just like, the only thing you want to do is unscrew your head and scrub out your brain. And that's definitely tip I'll top. check that out. The guy, what that was... Was, was the guy that was, sorry, the guy that was the DP was the guy that worked with uh, Ken Hughes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he was like a Ken Hughes guy and Joseph Strick. Uh, yeah, so basically he worked for Ken Hughes and um, a documentary guy, right? Named Paul Rotha. Yeah, though that's like that. Yeah, the, the the doc flavor is is the key to this for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. That's great. Yeah, he said no, they I've... only used a hundred ASA film. Really? How the hell did they get yeah. all the? I, I know. I don't know. He was like, we got it lights in. Jesus <laughs> Christ. They, like, they must have been turning on 10Ks in the middle of the house. <laughs> yeah, and they basically had to, um, for the stuff like in the train, they didn't use any sticks. They just held it really tight. Because all they, he, they got guys that were Pathé guys, you know, news guys, right, right, right. to be the cameramen. So that way they can stand and brace themselves and be st- – so that was the trick. Oh, it's just okay, to get these like news it. camera guys. Shit, like shooting that shit on the indoors, but like, oh, sorry, love the couch has caught fire again. <laughs> Too much light on it. We're barely yeah. getting exposure. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good looking. I actually though. thought it was more big budget than when I until I heard that commentary by the DP. I yeah, didn't. I funny. thought, but it sounded like it was just gritty. Let's make the best of it. Yeah, and, uh, I love that flavor. That, like seventy one starts like the run in uh, at least in American films, especially where it's just like the film just looks like shit, and I love it. Like it looks like it's made of just sand and rocks, and oh, yeah. uh, it, the, the, like there's like the, the chemical signature is just is wild, wild. Well, think about think uh, when did when did when did uh, when did uh, um, uh, when am I thinking of uh, shit. Uh, Peter Fonda film. Easy Rider? Motors, Easy Rider. Easy Rider yep. was 60, 69. Yep. 69. Yep. yep. Okay, so two years before Get Carter. Yep. And then Peter Fonda in The Limey. Yeah, right? there it is, man. And it, what's sure. weird is if you juxtapose those two characters, right? Like uh, that he plays. Right? Yeah, man. Right? And, <laughs> it, and, 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 right and think about what he represents in yeah. The Limey. He represents the guy who represented the character from the sixties. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Well, that like, that is the, like that stretch, right. Is the ultimate fucking boomer stretch right there. It's like yeah, the right. freedom, love, f- you know, like just, you know, like, you know, is it? Like if you remember the sixties, you weren't there. Right. You know, and then you go all the way from that to like 
record producer in this fucking alienating dead tech house up above Los Angeles. <laughs> You're just like, yeah. Oh, that's the, uh, that's, that's the, that's the death of the boomer right there. That's I like, really, I like really how wild. you describe that. Oh, it's fucking awful. Awful. Like that's like, like that's a gorgeous view. That's like, that is the shit I would least like to live in. What a, what a empty, empty, spiritually empty place. It's the really, really do not do not vibe on that style whatsoever. Well, the echo is going to be too much to deal with. Yeah, good <laughs> God, just like nothing but rugs in the walls. That's it. Where <laughs> was that? Was up in the hills, but like yeah, definitely Malibu. Yeah, yeah. Malibu. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I I I drive so so when I drive to go fishing, I drive through the Malibu Hills, like around. Um, Canaan Road and places mm-hmm. like that. So that's definitely a, like Mulholland. I think they actually get onto Mulholland Drive at one right. point. Yeah, yeah. So, right. it's Mulholland. Yeah, so it's around that and Crestview Hill. Like, yeah, yeah. you can, yeah. you know, you know what that place is like. Yeah, yeah. like there's, I don't, I'm like, I have, I don't know, maybe I just have terrible taste in architecture, but it's just like I, I don't like when things are. I like, I like clean, clean lines and all that stuff. That's great, but when things look like some sort of weird display case. Like I don't know why you would want to live in that sterile. Yeah, it's like, oh, oh man, that's like that's the least lived in. Exp- it's like it's all the humanity just 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 vaporizes at the top of the house. That's the worst. The worst. Yeah. No. Yeah. So it was interesting. So the 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 back in when I was a kid, there was an architect. There was a friend of my family, and he was. A, fairly well-known architect he designed houses like that that was his job like he made a lot of money designing very rich people's homes <laughs> right right and 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 uh somehow he's a friend of the family and i think as he designed my dad was the uh business manager for american university in cairo and i think he designed some buildings for american university in cairo but uh, he was such a character as a person, the architect guy is. And as a young kid, when this guy showed up and he would like have these stories and stuff. And he was like talking about, and I was just like, Oh my God, this guy's awesome. I want to do whatever the hell he's doing. You know what I mean? That's funny. And that's what, that's, that's what made me want to be an architect. Uh, and, uh, he was, he was a pretty successful architect. I think he had a, a firm for, you know, a long time. I don't know if he's still alive or not. He's gotta be, in his late eighties or nineties at this point, his name was Hugh Newell Jacobson. And, uh, he had a firm out of, um, uh, what's, uh, Georgetown. And, uh, and, uh, but yeah, his houses were like, like museums. <laughs> you know what I mean, yeah. And I was like, uh, eh. I mean, looking back, I was like, it looks so cool. And then you look and it's like, do you really want to live there? Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. I, <laughs> there was an article on this house my sister pointed to in Malibu. They're trying to sell, and I'll show it to you, Chris. It looks like a space museum. It's the weirdest, ugliest house. It looks like an airport terminal in Malibu. Okay. <laughs> so it's wild. like, really? It's Why? like, what? They it's just understand. like, how much money can you have with the worst taste? Yeah, exactly. Right. It's amazing. Those two things often go hand in hand. <laughs> like an enormous amount of money usually buys you an incredibly ugly vast house. Well, hold on. There <laughs> there are listen, there are ways to to do it that are different. Like there's listen, there the McMansion scenario uh is uh uh 
Yeah, it's terrible. It's who, was the, who was the woman who had the McMansion? She criticizes McMansions all the time. It was hilarious. She goes onto Zillow or whatever and finds these horrible McMansions and just takes a still and marks them up. <laughs> really funny. Have you guys, if you, have you guys seen this on on the I have on, not. on the Twitch? Okay, yeah. you have to look it up. But she does these breakdowns, and she was getting sued by the by the realtors because they would put up these descriptions of things, and she would just tear them apart. Like right. really, really funny. Uh, but uh, it's really good. Oh, so listen, it does bring up a point, and I want to. We talked about it. So one of the guys who designed these incredible houses uh, that. Uh, may seem they were just crazy, uh, but they were quite beautiful. His name was Stanley Sadowitz, and he's an architect out of uh, San Francisco. Um, and uh, he designed some of the things, architecture at, um, what's the name of the town? Columbus, uh, Columbus Indiana. Right. Oh, the movie you told us about. But there's a movie called Columbus that I think we should yeah. Yeah, you put brought that, that on our list. Definitely do this, yes. Yeah, I watched that after you told me. I really liked it. I gotta see that. Right? Yeah, I, you did, so you did say I'm gonna put it on our list, but Columbus, I think, would be something that would be good. Oh, and Eric, uh, should we do an episode on um, um, of what's it called? Um, the film about Dazzler's <sighs> Revenge. Dazzler's Revenge. That was definitely <laughs> obviously no. Uh, what is it? What the fuck is it? It's about finding the old film. Uh, oh, yeah, I love that film. Uh, what was Dawson, that? Dawson City, Frozen in Time. I oh, love it. Is that yeah. a documentary or a film? Doc- yeah, documentary. Was it called? Have you seen it? No. What's it called? I saw that it was up. Oh, Dawson's. You're not gonna like it. I can tell you right now. Chris is not gonna like it, and then he's gonna go, Eric. It's a bad film. Dawson's. Um, I'm not gonna time. do that just because I've done it so many times. Doesn't mean <laughs> do it again. doesn't necessarily predict the future. You action. didn't like blow up. You didn't like get Carter. You didn't like Jaws. You didn't like you listen, listen, you're just going to show us a bunch of movies of old <laughs> London in the 60s because you're obsessed with The Who. That's all it is. No, <laughs> okay. I think we have, no, we I have to admit think. that's a fair point. <laughs> <laughs> we have to say it's a fair point. I will, def- I will defend that. Uh, I will defend that choice, but that's uh, certainly, certainly. I, I, listen, I loved it. I, 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 there, I, I, I'm just trying to point out a few things. I think other, if we all sit there and said Get Carter Funeral was a great film, it's not oh, be yeah. an interesting I, podcast. We I have to have some that. other points of view. I, I okay. like it. I, I, it would be I a bad idea to Michael say, hey, Caine. everyone go watch Get Carter. <laughs> no, Michael Caine is such a great actor. He's one of my favorite yeah. actors. He is. Well, the thing is, he's, he, first of all, he's a complete horror as, as an actor. He'll do oh, anything. The best. Right? Chef's kiss. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. He, he'll, uh, yeah. Chef's kiss. <laughs> Chef's kiss, man. That guy knows how to act. He gets paid, and then he shows up and does a great job, no matter what the fuck the movie is. That I got, is a, I got, I got an Omar Sharif story for you in a second, but remind me the, the name of the movie so I can put on it. Dawson's what? Dawson City. Frozen City Frozen in Time. Yeah. Frozen in Time. Yeah, or Frozen Time. I'm sorry. Frozen Time. Dawson City Frozen Time. Okay. It looks very, very good. I, I have not yet seen it, and I'm very... I uh, completely misspelled Dawson in the yeah. Time, yeah, it's like French. Dosson. That's interesting. <laughs> Dosson, c'était? <laughs> uh, maybe, yes. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I don't, listen, I, 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 I thought this was a, definitely a very Martini Giant pairing that we need to do. Oh, yeah. I love yeah. it. And we hadn't done Soderbergh yet, which is also important. We haven't done Soderbergh yet. Gosh, yeah. I feel like I, oh, man, I feel like I should have said more. Uh, you have like, to pick that. You have to pick it, Dan. 
I will Which happily one? pick when when we come to the Soderberg duo. I will definitely, uh, I will definitely help. I, I want to pick this. That sounds great. He is Soderberg is, and apologies to Dave Three. This is the three thousandth time I've said this. He is, though not my favorite filmmaker, which is Michael Mann. Uh, he is my he is my hero. Soderberg is my hero uh, as a filmmaker, and because this guy will just fucking keep on. He'll be, like he when he is about to be lowered into the earth, like one uh-huh. last movie is gonna fly up out of the hole. Like that guy just jams it and jams it and jams it. And it's amazing to me. So yeah, this it was a pleasure to just go back and watch this thing, which is made compared like it was like what year is this? Nineteen ninety nine, ninety eight for Limey? Ninety nine, yeah. Ninety nine, yeah. Yeah. And it's when did did come out? Two thousand, right? Say again. Uh uh Heat came out uh, in two thousand? No, Heat is nineteen ninety five. Ninety five. Yep. And uh but uh, like uh, Limey was Limey was a breakthrough. He continued to have many many breakthroughs. But like I would want us to go go deep and have a full Soderbergh podcast. I'm into it. Whatever you want, I'm ready. Okay, let's do on. a full Soderbergh. I got the full Soderbergh. I'm, that's, that's, I'm, that's experiment, the, uh, I'm experimenting with our stream. I'm going to put up a poll, and the three listeners we have right now can nice can, a um, poll. We yeah, have seven okay. listeners, and we have a number of. Yeah, we have uh, a number of people in chat. Hello, everybody in chat. And 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 this is well, word to this does not necessarily mean that we're going to do this. I'm just experimenting with this poll. That's exciting. We have new. We have. Uh, I I like this idea. I'm going to put up the poll now. Oops, then it said server error. What the hell? All right, try again in a moment. Start poll. In the meantime, I'm going to start talking about um, uh, stuff that I saw recently that I really liked. Uh, yeah. that I want to uh, push to people. Uh, it's all over the place right now. You can watch it on Hulu. Uh, Nomadland uh, with Francis McDormand by uh, Chloe Zhao yeah. is really, really good. It's a really, really good film. Um, it's definitely one of my favorite movies of the year. I cried like crazy. It's a very, it's a very, it's a gentle, slow, and very emotional experience that I, I highly highly recommend and if you haven't seen her other film the rider see the rider which will if you that doesn't make you cry then get your eyes checked that thing is ridiculous film yeah i liked it i thought i, I thought it was in, uh, three billboards three and, yeah like i liked it i liked it i i um i wish it were i like that filmmaker a lot he made a movie called calvary which i thought was incredible uh, and I thought that this one was what? pretty good, if a little bit all over the place. Oh, what did you guys think? I didn't uh, see it. The three, the, the three, three billboards? billboards. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I I liked it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I that thought was very convincing. I thought, <laughs> what's his name? What's his name? Uh, Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell was Jesus. He's yeah, always good. He is a, he's one of the great. One of the great unsung actors. Yes, absolutely incredible. That I guy. thought Woody Woody Harrelson was bad either. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, Generally, the story I, itself was okay, like you said. Yeah, but there's some fantastic performance. And Sam Rockwell is like, oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. The guy. And actually, people were very upset about the portrayal of Sam Rockwell's character because it, people were didn't like the idea to that the audience was made to be um, sympathetic to someone who was basically a racist. Uh, yeah, um, that's and, the point. Uh, 
but I thought that was the point of the <laughs> That's the film. point of the whole thing. <laughs> so if, uh, if you're not open to the idea that, you know, uh, even bad and broken he- people can be humans, then it's a uh, difficult film to watch, I suppose. But right. I really, uh, but I really, really like that film quite a bit. The, um, uh, but that same director did uh, a movie called Calvary with, um, oh, what's his name? Um, Irish actor. Uh, he was, I uh, oh, can't think of his name. Anyway, um, uh, look up Calvary. Uh, uh, and it is about a priest in, um, I want to say Scotland and it's marvelous. That's all I'll tell you about that one. Check that one out. It's great. Um, The other two movies that I want to discuss, which I thought were just great are on Netflix and they're two found footage horror movies. uh, And uh, I met that I've been meaning to catch up with called Uh creep, creep and creep Two. And I've heard of this. I love these movies. They were great. Great. Legitimately disturbing. Yep. And uh and very slyly funny. Um uh, I saw the I saw the trailer to that for yeah. sure. Strong recommend for it creep. Feels a little like Cabin in the Woods. Not Cabin in the Woods, uh what was the one that you did the title sequence to Eric? Back in two thousand or oh, so. Oh, you did uh, what did the horror movie you did uh, the Cabin title? Fever. Cabin Fever. Yeah, yeah. like it is. Uh, it's it's even simpler than that. Like I would say that yeah. these movies are so so cheap and so simple. It's almost it's, it's almost a new cheap. take on misery, isn't it? It's sort of the the setup is this: Mark Duplass, who's a uh, independent filmmaker yeah. and a you know, wonderful producer and yeah. uh, director. The um, uh, he he, has, he he stars in it. Yeah, someone else directed it, um, but he stars in this movie and he plays this guy who says that he has terminal cancer and he wants a videographer to come and videotape him um, talking about, um, you know, how to live your life to his unborn son. So his unborn son will have a videotape that he can look at and see what his dad was like. Right. And this dude, Blass's character it's like it starts weird and gets weirder and weirder and creepier and creepier as it's going. And you don't know whether or not it's a gag or is this guy dangerous or what's happening? I got to check this out. I'm already it hooked. So <laughs> fucking uncomfortable. It is absolutely outrageous. And uh, like, and the sequel creep two is, gotta... is even more uncomfortable and even stranger and it's only like an hour long but i was like i was blown away <laughs> I, I was love like it. these things are great and so like I, I tweeted this out but if anyone's familiar with the movie a great movie also with mark duplass called safety not guaranteed which is a yeah. incredibly charming indie film this is like safety not guaranteed only guaranteed no safety <laughs> like it's the same same character that he's playing only like you're like this dude might be a maniac. I don't know. And it's absolutely fucking hysterical. I loved it. Loved it. Okay. But, uh, Dave has I, a suggestion for a watch party called the road warrior, which is Mad Max, right? That's Mad Max two. Road warrior is Mad Max two. Is it, is it available yeah. on, it's on prime? Is that right? Um, uh, yes, it's on Prime. He says, "Fantastic." That's a good okay. Movie. So we gotta watch out though, because here's what happened a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, if let me see if I can. Well, actually, I'm just gonna check right now. Road Warrior. Uh, no, I can't do it right now. Anyway, the what's happened, and this was true with the Limey, right? So Amazon owns Twitch, owns 
IMDb and owns Amazon Prime. Right. Right. So if you go onto Amazon Prime on whatever you're doing and you look up the Limey, it'll point you to the Limey, not on Amazon Prime, but on IMDb TV. Yeah. yeah. And IMDb TV is technically free with ads. Right. But we can't and watch Party That. <laughs> and I don't think you can watch Party That. Right. 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 And I think we had the same problem when we were going to try to watch. I forgot what other film Dave suggested. Uh, that Escape we were from gonna, New York. Escape from New York. And it was not available I on really, Prime. Which I really want to watch on uh, well, the moment that becomes available for us to watch Party. Right. That's a perfect watch party movie. Perfect. Right. But, uh, but those, but, but the road warrior is a good one. That's a good idea. Those types of films. Are great. By the way, I, I've enjoyed our watch parties. I thought that the one we did last week, which uh, those on the podcast might have not have seen was uh, the, with the Stallone one, not Stallone. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Uh, 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 the game show one. We just watched it. Literally just watched yes. it. Jesus, my brain. Oh, yeah, what is yeah, it? Yeah, I was just about to say, Chris. Running Man. There we are. Running Man. Thank Running you. Man. Yeah, there we are. Yeah, like that. Okay. That. Uh, oh man, that was that was that is a a very charming, poorly made film. But boy, did we have a good time. That was yeah, blessed. it was great yeah. as a watch party. Those things yeah. are perfect as watch parties. So uh, uh, the, the sum up of all that to everybody who's um, out there who is listening as a podcast or whatever is, please send us in ideas for watch parties or for episodes that you want us to cover stuff. If it's for episodes, that's where we do anything, comedies, serious stuff, whatever you want. That's what right. we tackle. Uh, when we talk about watch parties, we're talking about doing things that you don't mind us talking over, which can either be movies that are so terrible that we don't mind us talking over it, or movies you've seen so many times that you can basically recite it yourself. Those are And both they have to be available on Amazon Prime. Most importantly, they must be available on Amazon Prime. Not as a rental. Yes. Yeah. I mean, no ads. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No ads for free if you have Prime. That's the way that it works. But please send us the lists, anything you got. I know in uh, uh, day after tomorrow, they're going to be releasing their new, uh, their new uh, collection for um, March. Uh, so please, I encourage you to dig through that and find Wait, as many. Th- day after tomorrow is available? Is that what you uh, said? Let's hope so. Good God. Now we could do that, that would be a great one. I can say so many day after tomorrow. Stories. <laughs> we, we all have to keep it. I don't know if that one's available. If it is, then we should definitely do it. But the day after tomorrow is a new month, and they will be dumping a bunch of new Prime movies up there. So I'm putting a suggestion just to put look it up. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Like we should do a disaster film collection would be a good one to do. Just generally, I would love us to do some disaster. Towering stuff. Inferno oh. or something. Towering oh. Inferno. Disaster films of any kind is great. Or what's the the Poseidon Adventure? No nope, Poseidon mm. Adventure. Uh, Dave 3D guy worked on the remake of the Poseidon Adventure nice. with. Uh, with with uh, Kurt Russell, yeah. So there's uh, there's some good there's some good stuff we can pry in there. Uh, you can let us know by hitting us up at uh, uh, at Martini Giant um, yep. and on Twitter. You can uh, get us on Instagram at Martini underscore Giant, and you can uh, email us at uh, uh, podcast at Martini Giant dot com or go to Facebook at Facebook dot uh, com backslash martini giant uh, but right. please uh hit us up on any one of those we're pretty responsive on twitter i'm trying to write up stuff just a little once or twice a week uh reviews of weird things on the facebook on the facebooks uh mm-hmm. for longer form stuff the if anyone happened to catch it i wrote up a my response to jim jarmusch's the dead don't die which got terrible reviews and most people didn't like but i actually had a really pleasantly uh, upset reaction to that I wrote about, and well, I'm going to try and keep on following that up as we 
go forward into the I've year. always wanted to see that movie. I kind of like never saw it. I may even know that it got good or bad reviews. I just like, oh, I want to see this. And then it kind of left and I forgot about it. Uh, yeah, I would say like it's uh, it, like it. most people I know did not enjoy it. I what I've thought in many ways it was a more legitimate and strangely upsetting zombie film than any I've seen in many years. Interesting. So it's a real, it's a really interesting, I would say read the thing I wrote about it. So you know what I'm talking about. And if you don't like it, then tweet, then tweet, tweet us. <laughs> you can say, okay. you know what the fuck you're talking about, Dan, that sounds good. We can do that. Yeah. And we appreciate all of your commentary uh, as well. So if you guys have thoughts and obviously let us know. So, you know, people have been writing this long emails after our episodes come out. Uh, to let you know that. So we don't know what's coming out next week as a watch party. I think that if the road warrior is available, Dave, we are going to totally do that. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a good choice. We are definitely going to do that. Uh, that would be good. Uh, the episode ne- that's coming out next week. Get out your handkerchief. Get out your handkerchiefs. Right? Oh right? yeah. Nice. Yep. Uh, and we recommend be- watching that one before you see the, uh, or listen to the podcast, but we also say definitely recommend that. Yeah. Yes. Like, uh, but no going into it. That is an upsetting film. <laughs> it's got some upsetting right. stuff in it. We just want to warn you ahead of time, but get out your handkerchiefs. It's definitely worthwhile. Yeah. And I really want some, what, what is the, the platform that someone suggested we, we could find, uh, going places. Oh yeah, that's right. I can't remember. The library, it's like a library checkout thing. Oh, Dan, you talked about it. You have to have a library. Oh, card. yeah, it's um, yeah, that's right. It's uh, 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 um, not umbrella. What's it called? Oh, it's right on top of my tongue. Let's see. Uh, oh, God. Library app movies. That is Canopy. K-A-N-O-P-Y. If you have a library card, you can sign up for Canopy and you can get all sorts of weird uh, films streaming through there. Like really obscure shit. Like oh, Canopy like with stuff. a K. Canopy with a K. Yeah. Like I'm yeah. looking like I'm looking at their I'm just looking at their site right now and already there's like five awesome films that are actually pretty hard to get that I'm seeing roll by. Right. So I definitely, I definitely recommend that. There's some, there's some awesome stuff on that. I don't have a library card, so I'm not hooked up to it. But I know people that uh, really, really make use of this thing. I'm gonna look at stuff. Oh, I get it. Not going places. Let's see. Going places. Yep. Available. There you go. Nice. Uh, and 1974. So I think you guys should watch that. Honestly, I don't know if we need to go through the whole podcast thing, but I'd really think you guys should watch that. It's, uh, it's, yeah, I'm definitely down for that. I'll have a, I'll definitely write up a review of it at the very least if I uh, get to check it out. Yeah. Uh, soon. Okay. Yeah, man, oh, man. Oh, yeah. This, man, this has got a lot of good stuff. Look at this place. Definitely yeah. check out Canopy, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> it's got, uh, man, oh, man, you got, uh, uh, Baccarat, which is, uh, supposed to be great. I have not seen it yet. It's also up on, it's one of the best movies of the year, apparently, and it's also up on Criterion. You have The Pervert's Ide- a Guide to Ideology, which is uh, fascinating and hilarious. The Florida Project. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. Florida here. Project. Yeah. Wow. Nice. And, of course, Once Upon a Time in the West, which we did a podcast about. Yes. That's yeah, a good one. Oh, wow, wow. <laughs> um, I saw uh, Mrs. America. It's a good show. Oh, good? Nice. Yeah, I liked it. It's, it takes place in the early 70s. Where Chris, where are you guys watching um, Promise Neverland? 
Uh, I don't have it on Netflix. Oh, it's on. Yeah. Okay. That's why. That's where Mrs. America is on. It's on Hulu and it's on Crunchyroll. Um, Okay. Yeah. Because I was looking it up and it uh, uh, was not on Netflix. Season two Hmm? (laughs) goes off. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. It's like if you think of season one of Promised Neverland, it's like it's the great escape, right? It's like, it's got a goal. It's this, and it's disturbing. Lots of weird stuff going on. And you're starting to understand how it's happening. Season two, it's might as well be directed by uh, what's his name from lost. Like it's like, it's totally, it's, it is, it is lost. It is like, what the fuck is going on? Cause there's a lot of stuff. Are there there cool lens flares? (laughs) As long as you have lens flares. All right. It's, 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 it's pretty interesting. I, I, you get hooked into it. Like I can't wait for it. And, and the other thing is it's episodic every week. So we have to wait every week to see the next episode. Yeah. I might wait until it's all out there. Like I, I, I have trouble following stuff now when it's, when I don't get to watch it all in one day, I gotta be honest. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I know how my, how my life Damn. has changed. It's terrible. <laughs> oh, oh, Hey, Dragon Slayer for watch player. I, I have a lot to say about Dragon Slayer. That is a great fucking movie. Wow. Do I love Dragon He's Slayer. had in a very long time. Yeah. Vermithrax pejorative. Yeah. That's a good picture. Boy. I saw again, um, almost famous last night. It's fun. Oh, I like that almost movie. Famous. It's a good movie. Yeah. It's, I think it, I, I really like, uh, Cameron Crowe's, I think it's his best film. Yeah, no, I, I haven't. I can't even remember what he did after that. But like that is, a, that's a legit great. He did the Tom Cruise one. Um, oh yeah, that's a, that's just yeah. The, the Tom, uh, there's the Tom Cruise one with um, where he wears the mask. Uh, that's a very strange yeah. film, but I kind of no, like. Give it. me the money. Oh yeah, he did that one. That was before that. He that was uh, uh, Jerry Maguire, and yeah, then he yeah. did uh, Tom Cruise in with uh, Tom Cruise, Cameron uh, Diaz. And uh, Kurt Russell uh, in Vanilla Sky. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which is, a, well, which is an unusual film, I would just uh, that's say. A remake, too, right? Yeah, uh, what, what is, what is, um, what was the dragon film with Matthew McConaughey? Oh, that's great. That's a perfect one. England, right? right? That is Reign of Fire. If that's Reign a, of Fire. That's a watch party, dude. I love that film. That movie's great. I'm also, the one, that's my second favorite dragon. I don't know if that's available, but I'm putting it down as an idea. Put it down. We got to keep an eye out for that one. That, that's my that second favorite dragon. Second favorite dragon, yeah, because like that movie is, uh, it's the Dragon Slayer dragon if they had modern visual effects. And right. The Dragon Slayer dragon is the best designed dragon of all time. They've been ripping it off ever since 1981. Right. Um, but uh, the, this is the one where they did exactly the same design and also made it. Wow. Well, uh, it's it's really really it's really terrific. Yeah. Also, little piece of fun movie history: the first film where there's a shot rendered in V-ray ever. No Get kidding. Carter. Yeah. Get Carter. That's right. That's unbelievable. <laughs> Michael Caine's blanks there, all rendered in V-ray. No, no. <laughs> was, yeah, rain, rain of fire. Rain of fire. There's a shot of there's a digi double of uh, Matthew McConaughey at the top where he he pulls out the crossbow and he's just moving along. It's just a digi double and it's like one quick shot and it was rendered in V-Ray. <laughs> Nicely wow. done. That, 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 that is a, like that is the perfect B movie. Like you go in there thinking that this is going to be dumb and it's dumb, but it's 
great. <laughs> like that it's is pretty darn good. Yeah, Honestly, it is a pretty, great. Yeah, movie. I think I, that takes place. That's in London. It's in yeah. London. Yeah, and and and, and, it, and, and yeah. what's his name is the main actor in it. Yeah, um, it's a it's a Christian a, Bale. Christian Bale, and Christian yeah. Bale is great. There's like the the, the it has that that great scene where they're because it's a post apocalyptic movie essentially after dragons have burned up the whole earth, right. and. Like they're putting on a play for all these little kids, and the play is The Empire Strikes Back. Yes. It's like it's absolutely fucking dynamic. It's just like that's like that's real world. Like that one scene, I was like, that makes perfect sense, and I would do that in a post apocalypse. I would definitely do that. Yeah, man, a oh man. Like, get ready for the uh, the uh, the uh, the stage production of um, Once Upon a Time in the West from from uh, Martini Giant. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah i think you would uh, eric i think you should be jason robards in that i would be jason robards 100 yeah. yeah you're jason robards in that situation i'm not sure exactly who i i think i'm just i will i will just be zardoz <laughs> all right listen these have been great suggestions for watch parties we'll have to look into all of them we will uh we will you know i'll have our our usual midweek meeting the three of us to, to and go i think i think i'm gonna be I will stop recommending movies for a year. No. <laughs> Unless it's 1960. That's the law. Eric, no. <laughs> I'm kidding. Eric. I'm joking. It's just, just me being angry at you for not liking the movies that I like. And so I'm just, no, it was, it's no, you know what it was? It was, you didn't like blow up and you didn't Carter, but I do, I think you're right. You hit something, Dan. I think it's, I, I do have an obsession about either turn of a century America or. Oh, I think it's great. Sixties yeah. London. Like, yeah. I, I think it's very, I, I think that uh, a couple of things I want to clarify. I was the one who made that point. I was making it in a facetious, facetious way because I'm a mean son of a bitch. But I was making it. Well, hold on. You're not, Chris. You're just not a good person. <laughs> no, I understand. But, 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 I'm, but I, uh, I, I do like those movies. I think they're important films. I just don't romanticize them the way you do. Yeah. <laughs> you I don't think I romanticize them. Well, it certainly sounded really? like. Yeah, which is fine, which is good. No, I think they're they're high. I often like, I like those offbeat films like King of Comedy. Love that. Um, You know, Broadway, Danny Rose. I think they're more important. I think so many people rip them off that you just like, oh my God. I think the the excitement I also get is, I don't know if it's romanticized or maybe I romanticized. I just like, holy moly, everyone rips that film off. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh character. yeah, yeah. yeah it's like it's it, crazy, it, it, right? It was the thing like when you you guys were talking about get out your handkerchiefs, and he's like, "Oh my god, I've seen this movie a million times in other work, right?" Wes Anderson, yeah, I think we said Wes Anderson and uh, and and Woody Allen and a bunch yeah. of other things. Like I've seen this thing before, right? And then the same thing when I was watching Get Carter, I was like, "I've seen many versions of this film," and I realized how much earlier this film is compared to everyone else, right? And so you clearly Get Carter is an important film, and Seeing it in the seeing the same film in the line, or even Dead Man's Shoes. Dead Man's Shoes was right. a was almost verbatim Get Carter, right? Yeah. In a lot right. of ways, right? Uh, and and it was it was a good film. All of them are good films. It is a great story. Like someone did something wrong. The interesting thing, right. though, is if you look at both, at least for me, both films. If you took out Terrence Stamp and you took out Michael Caine and put another actor in, they just wouldn't work. work. No, no, at you least with Carter. Yeah. yeah. Like I think, I think with this, with um, yeah, with it, with uh, uh, the limey, like you might be able to get another actor in the mainframe because Sutterberg's 
like Soderbergh's work is so good uh, and the editing is so good and the photography is so great because he also shoots this movie and he also edits under different names. Yeah. Like Soderbergh edits under Marianne Bernard and shoots under Peter something or other, but it's all, it's 100% him. Um, but still, which like, is cool. Oh, it's fucking great. The guy's incredible. Uh, but the, uh, but yeah, like I, I do think between those two, we said before, but I think between those two movies, the one that's a really well-made movie is the limey. And, uh, and so like, if we're going to recommend anything. People haven't seen it. See the line. The line is just, me, yeah. Yeah. just, it's just like, you're going to have more palatable, but yeah. if you want to go to the source and you'll yeah, see exactly. a lot of, yeah. if you want to see a lot of films, what they took, even what's his name we talked about earlier, Madonna's. Um, yeah. Guy Ritchie. Uh, Guy Ritchie. I mean, I was watching it again. It's the comment. I was like, God, Guy Ritchie pulls from this. Oh yeah. yeah. That's great. In a great way. I mean, and I'm going to pull like another reference. I'm, I like to use a lot. It's like, cause a lot of people like, for example, I remember this when people were watching, when we were, we were working at the, in the Sway building, uh, you know, back in, in Culver city, which is uh, a building designed by Eric and Moss. And this is in the early days of deconstructive architecture, right? Mm-hmm. Moss and all those guys were doing stuff. People seem to say, Oh my God, Frank Gehry is such a genius when he did all his buildings, like, you know, the, 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 the opera, the Disney opera center, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. But he started with like, you know, plywood and chicken wire. And that's how he did it. Right. It was very right. aggressive and right. people thought it was the biggest eyesore in the world. Right. Right. But it's because of that foundation that the other stuff happened. Right. And oh, so yes. good this is what I'm saying. Okay. So I'll use the same metaphor for music, right? Mm-hmm. Like the early days of Detroit techno, a lot of people will listen to it now and goes, this is fucking intolerable. But if it wasn't for Detroit techno, you wouldn't have had the layerings of music that you have now in electronic music. That's exactly. so interesting. And you wouldn't have underworld and all the right. other interesting music right. or even Daft Punk or, or, uh, Absolutely. You, know, you want to hear something really interesting before to, to listen to the dance music or the techno and the dance Listen to the beginning the, of what the Edge did for Streets with No Name. Right. Right. Yeah. Like that. Right. Do, yeah. Do, 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 do. That's yep. like nineteen eighty five. You recorded it. Right. That but if you listen, it. if you give, if you go it's back crazy. to how techno was 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 made and 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 what what it was about, especially in the Detroit scene, it was like, oh, the, you know, like that's interesting, you know, and right. even like. I did a podcast with a guy who did the soundtrack to construct and he basically did the whole construct uh, soundtrack uh, using um, what's it called? Um, Pro tools. No, 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 no. What's the kind of music that Skrillex. Skrillex. Oh, uh, uh, what, why am I blanking it's, on the, it's the sequence. I know what you're talking about. It's yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 Acid. Dead Maui. No, 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 no. Dead Mao uses it. Man, yeah. we're, we're literally aging by decades talking about this. <laughs> oh, by the way, and I'll send it to you guys. There was, I saw um, an early clip of Kraftwerk in 1970 at a college. The dubstep way of actually doing dubstep now, there's a lot of tools that allow you to just get a dubstep sound. Right. But he was going through like to actually get a dubstep sound that goes like like that thing right takes days to get like a few seconds oh, of that sure. sound, yeah. right yeah. and so he said like he he built the dubstep beat for construct mm-hmm. from scratch months for him to do like right. the whole fight sequence of the yeah. of that and it's by the way he won 13 awards for the music of that short that we did 
I'm not surprised. Not surprised. So, but it's really complex to think about how that music is done. Mm -hmm. And, but it wouldn't have been possible if it didn't start with like Detroit techno, right? And Detroit techno is hard to listen to, or dubstep in some cases is very hard to listen to. This is, that's like absolutely the right way to look at it. Get Carter is like the Detroit techno. Yeah, and then the other guys like prettied it up with nicer materials yeah, and exactly. made their version of Get Carter, right. and it's very palatable. Guys, check so out Twitch like, when you guys get done and look at that. Can you hear no, me? No, got it in the YouTube. Yeah, you just sent the link. That's cool. Awesome. My God, go to yeah. halfway through, Chris. Your audio. What? Oh, there it is. Okay. Back. That's right. Yeah, yeah, popped out for a second. But yeah, no, that's exactly the right way to look at it. Because I mean, like, there's like that. Uh, like, I think that. I mean. This is from my, I've said it on the show before. Like, I like being upset by movies. I like being offended by movies and literature uh, because I like the stuff that it makes me fight and wrestle with. So, like, please take these kinds of recommendations with a huge grain of salt that some of these things are like Bad Boy Bubby and shit like that. Like, it's a big ask. Some of these things are a big ask. But uh, if you're into where this stuff comes from, like you're saying, Chris, like, it's, because there's movies that you love that are basically ripoffs of this movie, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and exactly. It's, and it's definitely that's worth was, checking out. Uh, Eric, that's what was so important about this movie to me is to see yep. it's, it's like watching the original version. This right? is the source. Yeah. Right. This is the source. This is where it all comes from. And so that's what I thought was really good about it. Yep, I did have issues with the movies and I, and I want to bring those up because I thought they're important, especially contextualize it for today. Yeah. 100%. And yeah. it is upsetting, and you should yeah. we should we gotta acknowledge the elephant in the room when you see yeah. that. But I can't just you know yeah. uh, do that. There was one more thing I wanted to bring up to you, Eric, because I thought there was when you talk about England at that time and that sort of part of of what was going on. Um, uh, Mark Knopfler in his music captures a lot of that yeah. in his music and yeah. his songs, right? And he yeah. does a really beautiful job of it. There was a documentary i listened i watched on youtube and it was oh, who's the lead singer of acdc what's his name Ag- uh it was not uh, angus no not no, angus angus the guitarist angus. it was oh, um i'm sorry yeah i know his keep going he has his own show now yes so he did one with mark Knopfler. oh Take- i saw that i think i sent it to you it's, or no okay so you, you were the one who sent it to me yeah, I send it to you or you send it to me. But he's walking through his old town where Mark Knopfler lived, and he's yeah. like, this is what inspired that song. This thing is like, you know, carousel. There's a carousel that inspired yeah. that song. And there's the thing. And it's like, oh, my God. And so suddenly, way, Mark Knopfler's got to lay off the Nutella. I don't know if you saw him. It's like, <laughs> whoa. Yeah, he's – no, I saw him two years ago. I saw yes. him two years ago. Well, maybe COVID hit. I don't know. Yeah, I put on eight pounds. <laughs> um, uh, but, but yeah, he. I saw him two years ago uh, uh, playing in Santa Barbara. Yeah, it was Thanks. it was great. Yeah, and God he's like seventy years old. Oh my god. Yeah, rock rock steady. Keep going. That guy's amazing. All you right, I think we've gone. We've 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 gotten close to our time limit. Hey, look, it's just around three hours. Yeah. There we go. Perfect. And then before we go, I want for uh, for Jason, I just want to recognize that uh, I understood what burning water was when he wrote that because that was a quote from Dragon Slayer when Brian uh, Johnson when uh, when uh, when the old guy says. 
burning water. That's the best impression that I will be doing this week. Thank you very much. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you bet. Nice. You bet. If, if I were a nice. 3D guy, I'd be, I, I'd be chipping in now with, we don't do tests. But they're both great lines from Dragon Slayer. I just do one better than the other. <laughs> there it is. Hey, we just went over to three hour mark. Perfect. All right, guys, thank you so much. Of course, thanks, of course, to Jason and Dave who are always contributing on our chat. Yeah, thank you. We, do these. we couldn't do these. Uh, if you guys weren't around, it would be very upsetting. We wouldn't start the podcast without you, honestly speaking. Absolutely. Uh, but it's a lot of fun. This was, this, Eric, these were great suggestions. Please, Eric suggest more films uh, because uh, I do enjoy uh, doing I that. think the next one that I'll recommend will be Stop or My Mom Will Shoot and Excalibur. Yeah, now we're talking. We'll find a connection if you don't think we will. This kind of be next week. It's like the same craft <laughs> service company or something. Uh, there we go. Big, big, big Mama's House and Citizen Kane. <laughs> Excalibur. Excalibur. I haven't seen Excalibur in a long I time. I love Excalibur, no lie. That movie is, mm-hmm. I'm a John Borman fan, and uh, Excalibur is A+. plus. That's a big, yeah, right. weird, weird movie. Weird movie. You think, like, actually, comparing to John Borman's other movie that I literally worked like with Zardoz? every week, Zardoz, <laughs> it is, I think, equally oh, as weird guy. as... Same it's the same guy. guy. Oh. Same guy. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I swear to God. There's imagery in Excalibur that when you see it, like when you're a 12 year old boy, will never leave your skull. Never, ever. ever. It's so funny. Just to, on the get card, I was listening to the director's commentary, and I think that's where I learned about ray tracing, the specular on those armors. It's like they're never going to lose an HD version because you'll see the crew, the director, and all the armor. <laughs> but, but the but the guy, the director, did get Carter, and then I think by the end of the decade, he did Flash Gordon. Oh man, right. so that's a good combo. That's like, returned, that, yeah, that's but it. that's like holy moly, complete. Well, one eighty, like, dude. I think one eighty. Yeah, like but there's just, a lot of similarities between Zardoz and Excalibur. <laughs> yes, there is. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. That is a glorious. I mean, I, I honestly, I deeply love Excalibur. I think it's a, it's right. an amazing film, and it gets certain things right. That uh, that and Dragon Slayer, I'll throw this out there. Those two movies do things right in fantasy that I wish would come back. Because I was just complaining on Twitch uh, two days ago that I I saw three trailers in a row that everything looked like the same. Three fantasy movies that all looked like the same airbrushed nonsense. Like it's all like they gotta come up with a new style. And I would say look to uh, John Borman. John Borman knew how to shoot fantasy. Absolutely fucking amazing stuff. Right. There we go. Which is Eric's favorite genre of movie, fantasy. Absolutely. Which, uh, you know totally. It. Loved Legend. He loved Legend. Loved it. Loved it. Loved oh, it. The, like the flower petals when they just would float in the air. Incredible. Yep. Oh, right? man. And, 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 Borm, and Dave 3D. And in conversation with Mr. Eric Chile talking about uh, Point Blank. I will oh my God. like every any Love that. that movie is great. Lee Marvin. Whew. I know. That's oh, that you know what we should a... do? If we get to doing a comedy at some point, we mm-hmm. a, a, a underrated film that a lot of people should Cat Baloo. Oh yeah, Cat Baloo. I love Cat Baloo with Jane Fonda. Yeah. And 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 uh what's Lee Marvin. Oh, that's why you Yeah. Lee Marvin's a little forgotten about these days, but he was in 
absolutely fucking incredible. That movie's great. Yes. Who um, was who was uh, who who, mm, who fl- not not in like in Flint? Like Flint. Is that that's Lee Marvin? Marvin? No, it that's is Lee no. That's not. No, Lee no, not. What are you talking about? That's not Lee Marvin. It's not Lee Marvin. No, Wait, that I, was. I went to that guy's house after he died. That was. Um, uh, it was up in the hills and uh, in like James Coburn. No. Oh God, I'm James, so yeah, James Coburn. Coburn. Yeah, oh, God. it was Coburn. Like, I feel like I'm going to get struck by a bolt of film light. When I worked in that theater, I told you, <laughs> I, so I worked terrible. in that theater. Somebody didn't yes. know. Dan, you're not, you're not the only person that gets confused. You're not that's the only person. That's yeah. embarrassing. That's yeah. embarrassing. Uh, yeah, you're not the only apologies, person. film gods. That's that's yeah. the worst mistake I've made in a year. That's amazing. That's right. that's worse than the, how I mix up uh, uh, Toby Hooper and... Um, Toby Maguire. And Toby Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> Toby Maguire, the director of... Oh, no, I don't even want to say it. I'll mess it up again. Forget it. Catch up next time. Martini Giant. <laughs> All right. You guys ready to sign off? Yeah, we'll, the drill. Sign we'll, off. Do the sign, we'll do the sign off. And then after we do the sign off, I will uh, uh, turn off the screen. But <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks so much, everybody. Drink. Thanks, Thank man. you. Talk. Drink. Drink.